Everybody, welcome back to the Hunger for Knowledge podcast. We're in the middle of a dog zombie apocalypse or something. There's dogs trying to get into the room. There's craziness going on here. Dogs are trying to... Better hope she doesn't turn into zombies. That's a a big zombie. (laughs) Big zombie dogs. 140-pound zombie. (laughs) Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, tonight uh, we have, uh, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. Micah is somebody who uh, I coached. I coached him in basketball. Uh, but now he's my teammate uh, for a team in the ABA, the Norristown Knights. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is Micah Crowder. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a really interesting young man. He's uh, he's always been uh, somebody who, you know, he, when I was coaching basketball, there was always, uh, you know, there's kids who kind of want to play and they just like sort of like play around with it. But, but Micah really, you know, uh, applied a lot of stuff and he ended up, you know, playing college ball but i i'll let him i'll let him say all this stuff so micah micah here you go introduce yourself to the millions and millions of people who are listening to this glorious podcast <laughs> well thank you coach uh yeah back in uh i guess ninth grade that's when you first started coaching that me. was that was the only i only I only coached you that, that ninth grade year yeah after that i just i more of a mentor <laughs> I was after that. I left. I, coaching made me want to be a player again. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, "All right, now I want to start trying to make teams and stuff again." Uh, and we're back on it. Yeah. Right? But yeah, no, that was that was like what that was like 2013 or something like that. It was yeah, yeah, that was a while ago. I still remember that summer because that's the first time like I just really came to it. I was like, "Let's let's do this." Yeah. And then you were my first coach, like real coach and stuff, and. Playing under you, I still remember every practice, yeah. Like, it was crazy. Like, jewelry, all of them. Yeah. Played. Uh, that was funny. Yeah, it was. It was an interesting situation. <laughs> we had a bunch of characters on that team. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was funny because it was like, I remember, I thought I was going to have an assistant coach for a little mm-hmm. bit. And uh, it was going to be uh, my friend Seth. He was going to be uh my assistant coach but then that fell through and then i was like man like i don't know if i'm how i'm gonna do this by myself so i just like started trying to figure out how i could be like most effective so remember i was used to have you guys sit like i was used to have you guys sit on the wall mm-hmm. before we started every practice and i was i only really did that because i, I just wanted to uh Oh, there's 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 a dog apocalypse upstairs. <laughs> if anybody has any di- ideas on how to control dog barking, I'm all for it. <laughs> Other than electric dog collars, electric dog collars, it's evil. <laughs> but no, they. Um, but yeah, I, I I would have uh I'd always have them sit on the wall before I started practice, and that was because I just wanted everybody to try to get to the same place. Because it's hard to rein people in when you have everybody's mind in different places. And, you know, 
you're a kid and there's all these things happening in school and things and like you're not old enough to really understand that they're not that important like mm-hmm. you know you all people swear that the stuff that happens in high school is like important and mm-hmm. then like, you get older you're like what get to the real world and you're like what you're like, what was i even thinking about i was just i was i was all upset because i thought a girl didn't like me or something like that <laughs> you know like but, um, I would have loved to have those thoughts in high school because you're raising kids. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, yeah, Rob, Rob was raising kids at 17, yeah. so he, he, so I didn't have those thoughts. He didn't get to, he, You don't get to have those kinds of thoughts. No, I was worried about working and going to school. <laughs> you gotta yeah. grow up when uh, you know the kids. Kids make you do that. Yes, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean that first year I, I coached you. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember Nell had a lot to do with that. And I know, and he, I know he wanted to get you in there. It's funny we're gonna, we're gonna have Nell on here. We tried to get him on the other like a couple weeks ago, but it, stuff just didn't work out. Hmm. But you know, um, it's funny that we're still like playing basketball, and we have him. As our coach and stuff, you know, going from Florida to PA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's re- it's he, he really coaches f- the he coaches yeah. Nell coaches the 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 Norristown Knights. That's oh, this is an update. Yeah, because you didn't you don't know about this because it's been like a couple weeks since we did this. But uh, I decided I was going to play with the with the Norristown Knights. Well, I remember you said you you were you were I, going to, and then was, you thought of yeah. I I tried to I tried to talk myself out of it because I was trying to make people happy. It's a losing conversation. Yeah, you know. So, uh, you know, eventually, you know, I I I had always wanted I'd wanted to be a part of it since before the season began. You know, so I had to get back to it. But I had it, t- it took a while for me to get back to it. It was like a confidence thing. It was like, uh, you know, uh, sometimes you have to disregard what people think about something t- to do something. Well, sometimes people are like, oh, why are you doing this? <laughs> you don't want to have regrets either. Yeah, you don't really want. You, you know, don't want to look you don't back want... five years from now when you can't play as well as you could five years ago and think to myself, man, if I could have just played a year or whatever it was. Yeah. Or... You know, I don't have like these grand ideas for what is going to happen with with everything but i you know i it's important to me you know it's important to me first of all to uh you know to be there for nell you know because he's been there for me more so than many people in my life so but it also shows the like it helps with the iq like You've been longer with him. You've co- been longer coached by him, so you know what he wants to be brought to the floor. So when we get on that floor, even if you're not on the floor immediately, if you're on the bench, you can still give wisdom to everybody yeah. on the bench and be like, "Listen, this is what he's seen. This yeah. is what we got to do." And so that's the one thing I appreciate it. Like especially in ninth grade, I remember we started off like seven zero or something. Like we were killing everybody, uh, but we were doing zone. But you knew that that zone would work perfectly in that league 
And then what happened? Then, yeah, then they were like, <laughs> yeah, they said that we couldn't play zone. They, they were like, oh, you guys can't play zone because uh, we don't do that at the JV level. <laughs> and I was like, okay, or not the JV level, but the ninth grade level. You know, you did something right when they changed the rules for you. And mm-hmm. and, and the thing was is that now I'm, don't get me wrong. I probably should have known that as a coach that as a program they weren't trying to run zone, but. I was it was it was just fast to me. The whole thing was just like I didn't even expect to get the position and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. So like w- once it started happening, it rolled fast, and then it became a matter of well, what's gonna work? Mm-hmm. Because I just wanted to I wanted to win because that that group hadn't had much success. You know, they hadn't had much success. I just wanted them to feel what it was like to win. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about what defense it took to do it or i just wanted something that worked well for them you mm-hmm. know for you guys as a group and you guys responded well and then they were like no you can't do that you can't and i was like all right well okay there's probably gonna be some consequences but you know it's as soon as we went to uh man that did not end well <laughs> it just it just it just you know some people some people just don't you know how sometimes and you you know you guys know from playing basketball sometimes there'll be like one or two people on the court on a team and you're like oh that person can't guard that person that they're guarding and that was a constant thing back then like mm-hmm. there was just there were certain people who could not really guard anybody mm-hmm. so it's like all right maybe I can hide them in this zone defense Put them and back just put them somewhere where, like, <laughs> around somebody less effective or something. And, um, yeah, no. But that, that was a learning experience. I think I'm definitely going to coach again when I get older. But I I have to kind of kill the player first. Mm-hmm. Like, the you know, I'm, I'm too much still. I'm not convinced that I can't play against – higher competition mm-hmm. you know that's that's the only reason i ever did it in the first place the only reason i ever started going to trials is because i just wanted to go places where there was higher competition you want to test your abilities i just wanted to test test see what it, t- see if it was real or if it was just because i was around <laughs> playing at a wreck or something like that and you know eventually i re- you know i i realized that it you know it was it wasn't just because of where I was playing. It was it was something that you know I felt like I could do wherever. You mm-hmm. know, I, and it, that all comes from like I feel like that I got that too. But like in ninth grade when we first started, like learning that from you, I never wanted to play someone who wasn't better than me. Just yeah. because when you play someone better than you, you're automatically learning something new. You're automatically doing it. If you play yeah. someone lesser than you, then you're playing down. Like you're just it's you know what to do already. It's yeah. not like a competition. And it's that's not. why I like going to leagues and stuff like that and going to different uh, tryouts. It helps so much and just trains you in mindset, everything. Yeah. I learned at a young age playing basketball because one of the guys in the neighborhood, his older brother played with us and he was much, he was better than any, you know, far better. But I knew like playing against him made us all better. Mm-hmm. Playing against the older kids made us better. I always wanted to play events because especially in basketball, I think it's even, it's when you're a young kid, it's even more important playing against the better competition. I think so. I think that that's the, 
that's the thing that separates people who just, you know, you might make some teams or something like Mm -hmm. that, but people who want to play basketball at continuously higher levels, you have to continuously play against people who are better than you. Like, or you at least have to, you can't be afraid of it when it comes. Like there was a time in my life where I, we, you know, I was literally in a car with like Nell and a couple other people just going places, searching for these, like, where are we going to find these people <laughs> that, ca- that like shut us down? Like we just go places and then just like take over people's courts. Like mm-hmm. that was, that was like, those are some of the funnest times of my life though. It was just so, I remember this one time, we went to Delaware and like we drove, I remember we drove all the way there and got out of the car stiff as hell. And we were like, kind of just like going to the court. We were meeting somebody there and they're like, yo, come on, hurry up. We got next. And I'm like, oh man, like we were just in the car forever, but it didn't matter. Like it, did, like, it, it didn't matter. Like we, we, we got out, it's just a couple, I did a couple layups <laughs> And uh, you know we had like a like an eight game run like there in a park that people would be like oh that's like a hard competition. Mm-hmm. I love going playing in like hood areas because it's it's so funny like with Nell we bring all kinds of weird looking people with us like we <laughs> we'd have little we have Mikey with us and stuff mm-hmm. like people didn't know what to expect you know sometimes that they, they like back in the day like. They, they they have like girls with them and stuff like, mm-hmm. but you know it doesn't matter. You know if you if you can get with people with a high IQ, you can win basketball games. So it's mm-hmm. the point of it's the point of all pickup basketball. That's why the other day was on on, on Thursday. Yeah, when we, when we played Thursday morning, the first team I had played with, I said. I probably shouldn't win any games with this team. It just didn't make sense. I mean, we had, that we had the, that that the one girl, yeah, and then we had somebody, some other dude. And the truth of the matter was, is just like our collective IQ and ability and things. Like I can look at it and see, I'm like, oh well, we have this problem right here, and I don't even know how to make up for it. Unless- <laughs> you know? But it was funny because Al said that to me the other day when we were playing Thursday morning. He was like, uh, "He was like, listen, you you have you're surrounded by people who haven't been playing the game as long as you, so you see stuff. So you're gonna get frustrated, but you gotta be able to calm yourself and be able to explain it to them so that they see it next time down the court. Yeah. And then once you be able to do that, then they're all gonna be on the same level that they have an IQ. Yeah, Tuesday Thursdays a is an interesting group. You guys got mm-hmm. guys there that are just you know they're there. They're but there, it can, out it can there running. On Sunday, though, it can happen. It's true. It can happen. On, it, it's happened. That's happened every place. All right, there are certain places where you get ball players who go there, like guys who really like you know they they that's what they do. But you show I mean, up in like Philly one. Remember, did you see the story when Embiid was going out in the Philly uh, playgrounds and playing? Against no, some guys? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was out in the court play with guest that? guys. That's why I like Embiid. <laughs> Just show up. Embiid's like there. <laughs> yeah, man. 
If I was in the league, I'd do stuff like that. Go you think like, the Sixers were happy? Then fuck no. <laughs> but that's part of their problem because it's like there was that there was a time like during like the seventies and like the eighties, like where like the NBA players were playing in the streets. Though. Yeah, and yeah. that was a you know that's a different kind of like respect than some dude who will never you know like the if pay you could go different. somewhere and be like oh that's so and so from the Knicks or whatever and then you know like that's a different situation than some dude who's got security around him all the time like mm-hmm. he's not going anywhere he's not in the people you know there's the, the pay scale is a little different now you know oh yeah no, now there's like insurance and involved and you get hurt and then next thing you know people will be suing people and it's just crazy now you couldn't you can't I, I couldn't believe he was even doing it it was it was great. I thought it was great he was doing it, but it's it's giving back to the fans that they yeah. gave to him. Like they go to the Phillies games, they all pack it out. They want to see him. So for him to show up at the court, now you got even more people's marketing scheme. Everyone's coming to you now and be like, "Listen, you can relate to me because you can come play at my level instead of just staying at your level and be like, oh, 'Oh, I'm better than everybody.' You see, he wasn't holding back either. No. He was no. blocking the crap out he of people, dunking on, on people. <laughs> that, but that's that's a it's it's hard for a person to have like, you know. I'd be I, awesome. Like I, 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 if I showed up, it's I would want to play. Again. I want to see yeah, what level I, that I, I is. Just like wanna, I just what like that to, takes. I like to see those levels. Like I've always just like I like playing people with freak athleticism. And oh things yeah, like that because then it actually makes you start to like in your mind. You at least have to think like, all right, how do I counter this? Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all that learning really kind of is. Yeah. Like you know, you be you're confronted with this 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 person, and you they look amazing, and you know what I mean. And you're like, how do I stop this person? And then your mind gets to working on it. And then as soon as you can figure something out, you've just learned something for like the rest of the time. Like you're playing basketball. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're like all right. Well, the next time I play somebody like this. This is what I, I'm going to try this, you know. It's just about being prepared and, you know. And it, it no longer, like, it's funny because you say that because it no longer goes to the athleticism then. Now it's an IQ game. It's a mental game. It's, it's all, like everything basketball, like every play, you're thinking three plays down. Okay, what if I get this guy open? What if I get this guy open? How do I do this? Yeah. Everything. I, it's. I think, like, when I play Tuesday, Thursday, and, like, I had this conversation with Mike, and, like, we play on Tuesday, Thursday, he he doesn't understand why I play one way in one game and why I play a different. Way. I was like, dude, it's game flow. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. You can't. It's not the same. You can't play the same way every game sometimes because no. there's different players on the court. There's different people guarding you. There's there's different matchups. There's all that kind of stuff. You know, as I got older, I understood that a lot more. When I was 20 years old, I didn't understand that. I was like, no. get the ball, drive to the hoop, score. Yeah. That was all I knew. You know, yeah. that's just how it, that's how it, how it worked. And then as I got older, I understood that. You know. How to save energy? Yeah. <laughs> when I was twenty, I didn't need. I had plenty of energy. Yeah. I, I needed to save energy. I, I mean, I still don't get that. T- I mean, my feet will go start hurting way before I lose energy. So, <laughs> I remember this just one time. Uh, you know, uh, Troy. Yeah, yeah. When I was like, I was like twenty something. He, I remember this, he said he was like, he was like, you kind of play. Like he said, like the game's not like cerebral to you yet. Like you're like you, he's, he's like, you play kind of like almost like Jerry Stackhouse. 
where it's like it's purely it's purely based on your athleticism and stuff. And I told somebody he said that, and they'd be like, oh, "I'd be mad if you said that." And I told him, I said, I wasn't mad at him because the way I saw it was is that actually that's what that was true. Right. It was true. My approach to the game wasn't cerebral. It wasn't like it, it and sometimes being cerebral on the court is just as simple as okay, this guy is too little to guard me right here. Or this person's foot speed is off. Or that's that's the cerebral part. I wasn't paying attention to that. I was just trying to attack people how I wanted to instead of how I should do it. And sometimes don't get me wrong, I get caught up into it now, but I have the I have a better ability to step back from the situation and assess it and really attack the way I should. Like attack the weaknesses, like exploit everything. It's all you it can. is. It's all about weakness. It's all about it's it's all about finding somebody's weakness before they can come up with an answer to defend it. Mm-hmm. And, and then once you find it, the hard part becomes about getting your team to attack that same weakness. See it. To see it and to be like, okay, this is where we're attacking. Because you'll see it all the time. And it happens in the pros. It happens on all levels of basketball because you're dealing with five people. And if you're watching them on TV, all those people have egos. No, absolutely. They all, like, absolutely. You know, they've, they've, they've had egos for some time, you know. Every, every college player that you see on TV, you know, was probably at least somewhat highly recruited. They know? were the man in college. They were the man. They were the man in high school. In high, they've been the man the whole they've time until the they man, get the NBA. You know what I mean? Like, and you know that's that's why they said you know with like uh, I remember they said when Chris Bosh was playing with LeBron in Miami, they said he had a really big time dealing with that because he had been the man everywhere he ever was. Yeah, when in he Toronto, Toronto, he, he was, was the man. Yeah. He came there and he wasn't the man anymore. <laughs> he wasn't the, even. The, he was good, you know. But he, he wasn't was even second. Player. He wasn't even second to. Yeah. He no, was third. He, he was third. <laughs> he was the third in the big three. Yeah, and and that that's a different thing. To, that's a different adjustment. So hmm. yeah, you I mean you have everybody on the on TV? You know they have their egos, but people just regular people on the court have egos. You start to watch it. I, I think I told him. I said, "You watch if you watch pickup games, they'll start to go away from, when they start to lose. When the team starts to lose, you'll watch watch it. They go away from the first option mm-hmm. because then they start thinking, well, this guy he's taking more shots than I am. I need to get mine up.' And then they shoot some air ball or throw it, throw it over the <laughs> throw it over the backboard, and you're like." Your ego got, you know what I mean? Like you, you went away what was from, you went away from what was smart. And I feel like that's where like, uh, like Kamala Anthony, like he's going around the league right now trying to find a home. But like, I feel like it's just his ego getting away because he's used to being the man. He's yeah. used to shooting 40 shots a game. Yeah. yeah. And now he doesn't have that ability anymore. So he's trying to find a home where he can do that, but he can't. So if he accepts his role as like a six man and yeah. come off the bench and shoot Absolutely. ten shots, he'll make a majority of them if he accepts he it. He can't do that. Yeah. If he could do that, he could be the six man of the year. He yeah. could he could play somewhere and be but the six man of the year, but he but can't. I don't believe he, he will. His, his story's not. He 
when you when your name is in the same sentences as LeBron and stuff like yeah. that, and you don't have a ring, yeah, and you you're you're on the decline, mm-hmm. and you know. I'm sure he's been in competition with LeBron. He's been in competition with LeBron since he was in high school. Mm-hmm. Are they the same age? Yeah, they're, they're close, right? The same age. They played I each think, other. They played think, in, in high school? One more, uh, one yeah, year above they played them. each other in high school. I saw it. It was Listen, those were two different things. Carmelo, <laughs> Carmelo was good, but, I mean, LeBron was like LeBron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he to be, you know, because think about it. Carmelo probably like thought... He, you know, growing up, I think he grew up in, like, the D.C. area or something like that. But he probably, like, they were probably like, yo, you're the man. Like, everybody yeah. was like, you're the man. And then one day, they were like, yo, it's this kid LeBron. <laughs> right. And he's like, LeBron? I don't care about no LeBron James. Like, and then, then he probably he played against him. Found out <laughs> real found quick. Out, <laughs> found out. Oh, snap. So, so think about that. He's been dealing with that since high school. Mm-hmm. To being like second or third. Hey, but he won a championship LeBron. in college. Now LeBron wasn't there though. Yeah, LeBron wasn't there though. So, so how much if he doesn't get a ring? If he doesn't get a, if he doesn't get an is NBA he a Hall championship. Yeah, that's a great question. I I I feel like he I feel like he has to be someday. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mu- I don't know much about NBA statistics. I'd have to look at like statistics. Well, to to, to give an opinion. I feel like he could, he could be. Yeah, well, Seems he's like a, he's just a natural scorer. Like, yeah, for the sure. The thing that I, I don't uh, love about him is that all around, like he can play defense, he can do that stuff, but just offense, he's just nasty. He used yeah. to be a nasty at least, and so that's why I feel like he is competing with LeBron and stuff like that. And it takes a mentality to be like, no, I'm going to be able to do this. Like some people in life, they play basketball, and then other people just like know how to win. Like, you just yeah, know where absolutely. to be and know when to be. And so I feel like he needs to learn how to be where he needs to be for his teammates. Then he truly will win a championship. Then he truly will succeed. Then he'll truly be an all-star. But. See, like, for, like, me, it's like the Warriors. Like, I know, like, Kevin Durant and, like, Steph Curry, like, they're the – but, like, to me, Clay Thompson and mm-hmm. Draymond Green are almost more important to me. Like, I almost feel that way. They make it they, – they do make it go – without them, it would, it would be – it would be so different. Especially Draymond. He feels like the glue. Like, he just kind of does everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a little – he says some stuff and, like, starts trouble, but, like – but that's kind of what drives him too to do the things he does you need you don't want him to 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 not be himself right because that him being himself is he's there for a reason yeah because there's other people who could do on the court what he does but there's not as many people who have the presence that he has yes Mm -hmm. i think you're right so he he's invaluable in that way yeah and but you know that 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 thing that whole thing looks like that's starting to come. It, apart. it looks like it. This looks like a mess right now. It's, uh, it's, it looks like it's starting to come apart. But that's how it works. All all teams come apart. Mm-hmm. It's no team that just like this is the dynasty for the next however. Not in this world. Not in this world. Cool. That that team's gonna go through some changes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't just keep all those players together forever. It's just not gonna. It's not gonna right. happen. Mm-hmm. And it never happened before. <laughs> I mean, they won four. 
right? Is it four? Is that, are they at four? Or is uh, it three? No, they won three because they lost three. one to Cleveland. Yeah, oh, so they won, one, and then they lost to Cleveland, then they won two in a row. Mm-hmm. So it's three out of the last four years. Yeah. That's so. one of those things, man. Like, that's it's almost kind of like people feel like LeBron stole, like, stole their championship. Mm-hmm. Because they... Everybody, that whole that was that that was like that. How many they won seventy some? But that was the one. But that was the championship where Draymond Draymond got kicked out for that one game. Yeah, was it the last game? The seventh Uh, game, seven, six, I think. Six, okay. And they were like, they thought that was kind of you know, like oh, they they fixed it. Yeah, yeah. So that he would uh, be out. I mean, hey, Draymond put himself in that situation. Got to watch those leg kicks. Yeah, he's kicking people <laughs> in the nuts. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> they don't wear cups. <laughs> they do not. They yeah, but, uh, know. yeah, man, it's uh. Where do you think uh, KD's going, though? I think I, he's going to L.A. I, I hope not. <laughs> I don't want to see him. I don't want to see that. I, I have, like, that's one thing I disagree about the NBA right now, like, Getting back to the competition when you said in the beginning, like you you're trying to find competition to beat. Now that they're such a such a high level, they're just getting content with being like with other all stars and stuff instead of like being the only star and being like let's get this team and build them up. That's why I respect about LeBron, even going to L.A. Like he doesn't have a lot of pieces. Yeah, he has Ingram. But yeah, he, he kind of started that though, getting them all together. And yeah. he kind of started that. Mm-hmm. So. You know, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think that's tough because, like, I kind of like can respect though the fact that they want it's it's a drive to win, and if mm-hmm. if you feel like that is your way to win, I can't blame you for going there. You mm-hmm. know, they are giving up. You know, they're giving up some money. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not taking as much as they could. Grant could go somewhere and get how much, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, they are giving something up, but like, I do hate the fact that there's you know. Well, that much talent on one team kind of yeah. sucks, but well, in the end, it is a business decision. Like, yeah, whatever is best for you, and that's why people get so mad. Like, oh, KD went the Warriors. That's his decision. That's not ours to make. And like, say, I just personally like, if I was in that state, would I actually do it? Yeah. I can't say I can't. I wouldn't have because I have to evaluate that business decision. But the easier like, road to get there is the East. So I would think if I was <laughs> KD, I'd be going to the East, right? I mean, you don't have to go through all those other teams. Yeah. To go somewhere where a ring was, and I think he, I think he knew that a ring was definitely in his future. Yeah, while if he went there, yeah, and you know, it's. I think some people that you you can talk all day about if it's right or wrong, mm-hmm. but whatever he has a ring. Yeah, and Charles Barkley doesn't got one. Carl Malone doesn't got a ring. And they base their legacy on rings, right? That's what they, they say now. They try to. They try they to. They to. I don't ever... See, I don't think about that. When people talk about their... When people talk about their... Uh, their top basketball player. Like, I don't think about it in terms like that anymore. Like, I, in my mind, the way I see it now, when, when people talk about the best ever and stuff, I always just think about those... Them and... I always... I always think about them playing somebody like one on one. Like, I don't think about it like, oh, do, do, do you have this many rings and all this stuff? 
Don't get me wrong. That's an important like thing. Don't it, it, absolutely, but, but that's it. a team thing. But people talk about individual things. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know. If it, if it was about yeah. rings, what's the guy from the Celtics? I can never Bill remember. Russell's yeah, he most, should be the best ever, right? Bill Russell's the greatest winner in American. One like nine, nine. He has eleven. Eleven. He has more rings than he has fingers. So, so case closed. So then, you know, in, in most people's minds, you know, they say, oh, well, it's, it's Bill Russell. But, like, you know, my thing is always, you know, I I, I grew up a Michael Jordan freak. I, you know, there was, for the longest time in my life, I believe Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player who ever lived. But as I got older, I just realized that I, I just didn't believe that anymore. You know, I... I think in a lot of people's minds, LeBron sneaking in. Um, I think I think it's a di- I think it's different to me. Like mm-hmm. LeBron's feels like more of a, like an overall like. I don't think Michael was ever the passer LeBron was. Like like everything. I don't know. Maybe I just don't remember Michael as much as I think I do, or I just didn't watch as much basketball back then. I don't know. I just I I like LeBron. I'm a LeBron person. You're you you're in the you're, so you're on the LeBron team. Who I, you, uh, who who's, who do you have as as as, as uh, the the greatest uh, ever in your mind? See, it's hard too it's, for because because this is all matter of opinion. None and, of this yeah. how many ever, like, how many players we didn't see from like like Oscar Robinson and like guys like that. It's hard to like. I'm sure if we saw them yeah. back then, we'd be like, well, that's the greatest ever. You know, we yeah. these are people we've seen in person. Or not in person on TV, you know, or you saw Wilton person. That's yeah, I mean, like it's hard to compare. Me personally, personally, I think Wilt Chamberlain was the greatest basketball player who ever lived. I believe that. I believe one on one in a game of basketball, there is no person who has ever lived who could beat him. I don't think. I just don't think that that person exists. I mean, he could be very. Who knows. I just, uh, well, also the game's changing. Like, yeah, looking at the even the NBA right now, like there's so many athletes who have high IQs that are coming out of college and going to the NBA. So now we're getting to see more LeBrons, like Jason Tatum. Like Zion's not even in it yet, but again, he's incredible. Like that guy's. But like we're starting to see these like breeds of just people coming out of nowhere and just dominating the game. And so again, it's hard because. How I see it uh, personally is how you impact the game itself. Like it's all around. It's not just offense or it's not just defense. It's how you affect the team on offense, assist, rebound, everything. And so again, like I do love LeBron. I, I really do. Um, I think that he's a great leader, and I think is. But I never really got to watch Michael, so I can't I can't say that because I never got to really watch him. Unfortunately, yeah. But, it's all right. You got YouTube. I'd I'd brainwash yeah. my kids with Michael Jordan clips. <laughs> See, like what, like I think with my thing with LeBron is the fact that like he's been under pressure since he's been what like thirteen mm-hmm. or four whatever. He's, whatever he's this, the most exposed athlete yeah. of all time, and the mm-hmm. fact that he became what they expected him to become. You know, how many people fail? You know, there's been a hundred Michael Jordans that have never made it to the point LeBron has, you know, and the fact that he's done it and he's done it in a way that in his own way and the, st- and the other stuff I, I like a lot about is all the stuff he does in the community too. So it's like more than just that, you know, like all those factors to one, that's kind of, I guess, but there's, 
been players in the past that have done all those things that we just don't even know about. Well, that's the thing. Like, you say that uh, about LeBron, about rising occasion. There's so many people, like you said, that get up there and then they get all the pressure on them and they fall. And that's I think that LeBron succeeded is because every day he tried to get better. Yeah. He didn't settle just for being who everyone said or all the pressure that he got. He said, no, I'm going to take it a step higher. I'm going to take it a step higher. And even to this day, he's getting older. And he's still showing better numbers, at least from last year, this year. It's a different story, but it's still incredible to see someone getting older and still getting better. Yeah. People settle so easily nowadays, and that's why there's it's, the line is just so fine-tuned. He is so athletically gifted. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, he is just, I mean, you know, like Kobe felt like at, at about this age, it started like kind of slowing down, you know? I think it was like, LeBron's, what, like 33 or 34, I think, at this point. I'm pretty sure Kobe at this point had been slowing down. He was still shooting a lot, but he wasn't scoring at the pace he used, he did before. And I, I think his like knees started going bad and stuff. But LeBron's just, you know, it's just like athletically. I mean, it just seems like he just doesn't stop. It's like not breaking down. At any, I'm sure now I say that, it'll probably, you know. <laughs> but no, I, I, I think LeBron is a... LeBron is, to me, he's the greatest thing that sports mixed with science has ever produced. Mm-hmm. LeBron puts like a million dollars into his body every year. So, he, wh- who he is, is based on the idea that he has teams of <laughs> scientists around him. I believe it, yeah. Like okay, how well, how can we maximize your body's potential? How can we can continue this? So he's he's had the success to have that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he, very he, few people do. He, well, he created the situation like he rose up to the fame. So now all the scientists want to learn and want to keep him at that level. I would love to see today's technology and everything back from Michael Jordan. I like, yeah, well, no, yeah, that's a good one, yeah. Like, just, just to look back, even Wilt Chamberlain, all these greats, they were great back then, but all the technology we have now, just if, imagine well, all If you would have gave Wilt Chamberlain that, Wilt Chamberlain would have, first of all, Wilt Chamberlain is already kind of like a living superhero. If you've never really seen anything, like, about, like, just this kind of, not even just basketball stuff, but just stuff like he did in life. Like he was like a mythical creature, he was he was like uh some something from a different time. If he would have had this kind of technology, they would have been there. All the stories would have been ridiculous. <laughs> I already heard way too many ridiculous stories about. I heard more crazy stories about Wilt Chamberlain just in his physical ability than any other person that I've ever come across. Like <laughs> it's just little stuff. Like I remember I heard. Bill Walton tell this story one day about how he was talking about how when they had the 50 greatest player thing that was that was back in I don't know when that was that was like that early late 90s 2000s uh, maybe around uh, late 90s early 2000s something like that yeah they did like the top 50 players <laughs> all the time and he's <laughs> And he he got to tell like a story that like no nobody would ever get to see. Like he said, he they were sitting in these tables waiting to go out, and he said Wilt Chamberlain was at his table with Michael Jordan, 
and they were both making their case to each other of why they were better than the other one. <laughs> and <laughs> he said, so they're going back and forth. And uh, eventually, like, the person, like, the coordinator came and was like, all right, it's time to go out. So they said, so the last, so Bill Walton said, the last thing Wilt said to Michael, he said, what you need to remember is, is when I played the game, they changed the rules to make the game harder for me. He said, when, but they changed rules to make the game easier for you. Right. And then he said, and then Michael Jordan didn't have a response. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's just the reality. Right, if right. you're that monumental that they changed the way that they played the game, how many players, how many singular players can have such an effect that they change the rules in order to make the game harder for that person. I don't even know if there's any other person in any sport I've ever seen who's done that. Well, basketball is a lot different than even the 90s. Yeah. You know, it's, it's completely different. You know, more offensive-oriented. You can't put your hands on the guys as much as you did back yeah, then. that's Michael Jordan type stuff. That, yeah. Like, that, like, you couldn't hand-check people. That was yeah. something that, like, ended in... In pretty much in Jordan's time, like the the Detroit Pistons, like kind of yeah. like they after they were gone, they kind of ended that. Yeah, they did. It's because it was dangerous, and probably yeah. the month, like you said, the money was going up. Yeah, and you're like, yo, these dudes were are like they'll kill each other out here. Basketball in its in its, they used to call basketball players cagers because they used to play the games in cages. Because people who were watching it would get, like, rowdy and try to throw bottles and stuff on the court and all kinds of stuff. Really? Yeah, man. Women were supposedly some of the most vicious basketball players in the beginning. Like, it was somewhat of a violent game. Huh. It was a different game. Like, it, it it's not just this thing that we see now. It's, it's mm. a different... When you get into the history of it, you're like, oh, like, it, there was an evolution. I think one thing too, when you talk about older players, like players from, they also work jobs. And I mean, like basketball wasn't their yeah. job. Like it's not like now where they're making so much money, they're not working. They're not going to the, the food store and packing groceries after they're done playing the game. Like heard, that's what they used to do. I heard Bob Cousy, Bob Cousy. You know, I think Bob Cousy has like maybe eight rings or something like. Yeah, that. he has most of those with Bill Russell. Okay, but. Bob Cousy was telling this story. <laughs> he was like, I was like, I think he said he was like working at some store or something. And then like, they like contacted him and see, see if he wanted to come down and, and try out and stuff. And he was like, oh, I wasn't even going to do it. He's like, Cause like, my, he's like, I was making more money there than I was going to be making there. So he's, but he did it because, you know, he, he, he loved basketball and, and the military service, guys would leave in the you know the middle of their prime of their career and serve in the military. That kind of stuff happened. Like, you know, now you see football guys. There was a guy that I think a year ago or two year ago got an exemption to like leave the military so he could play football. You know, That's so wild. I mean, you know, it's just a completely different time. You know, just the way things were going. Like, that's why I mean, like the people who. We get caught up in the times. Like, we, mm. you know, we don't get to see these people who played. Like, we don't, we didn't, people didn't see Elgin Baylor play. Like, they didn't see um, people like Earl Monroe play or Wilt for that matter. You know, 
and they and they they tend to think that well that because they're old that they couldn't play now. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I mean, Will, Will Chamberlain can play basketball at any time. Uh, yeah. Will Chamberlain got was getting offers to play basketball in the NBA in his fifties. I mean, can you imagine calling a fifty-year-old man like, "Can you play an NBA season"? Like that's insane. But I think you go back to those rules, and like, if they got to play in these times, they would be, you yeah. know, they would be eating people alive. You well, imagine what Wilk if he didn't get like hammered. Will Chamberlain never fouled out of a basketball game. I bet he wouldn't this day, though. I don't know. He never fouled out of a basketball game. Well, imagine trying to cover him, though. Like, he, you know what I mean? He said he he said that he couldn't play how Shaq would. He said he said he went. He he said Shaq. If he would have did that in his time, it just would have been an offensive foul. Yeah. He, okay. It wasn't that he couldn't do it because, I mean, this is a guy who lifted weights with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Her, her, Arnold Schwarzenegger said that he would come in the gym and do way more than the strongest dudes who were in there were doing. He would just come because he, he was a giant mythical creature. He was, <laughs> he was, he was something that. He got into an argument with Jim Brown at a party, and they went outside and had and he beat him twice in a race. Like it, it's just little stuff like that. You're like, that's crazy. I'm trying to tell you, I've heard things about him that there's no other person who's even comparison. I heard a story the other day. He said when he was 16, he was playing for the semi-pro team that was like playing like I think along the East Coast. And they were showing pictures of him and stuff. And they said eventually his name started to get traction. So he played a season. Like, he was still in high school. Uh So the PIAA didn't have jurisdiction to Philadelphia schools at this time. Right. So he could do this. Like, he was playing semi-pro ball as a 16-year-old. It's like he is in Europe now. Yeah. So he was doing this. But his name started to get known. So he went under a fake name. And uh, there's this article, and they're like, I think his name was like George Marcus. It was like his fake name. And it's like George Mike, George Marcus, giant Negro. This one says giant Negro is destroying the talents uh, in this league. Like, and I'm like, this is insane. This, and he's 16 years old. He was averaging like 53 points a game in the regular season, and then. They said in six games in the playoffs, he averaged like 74. And he was 16 years old playing with grown men. It's like, who who else could do, who else anywhere could do anything like this? That's crazy. Where? Where is these people? Like, I mean, LeBron James is without a doubt one of the most amazing athletes I've ever seen. I've never, you know, but... Just because when we when we talk about the greatest, we can't have this lim- like this limit of time. Yeah, we can't just be like, oh, well, at this point in time, it's this person, and and they're the best ever. It's like, no, it's like you gotta, you gotta. It's a stupid conversation usually, anyway, because it's like it's all a matter of people's opinion. Nobody's right. We're all well. We're all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're all right, but we're all wrong. <laughs> 
just each era is just a different game. Like it's yeah. ne- it was never the same. Like people people compare and say, oh, LeBron's the best in history, or Michael Jordan's best in history, or Will Chamberlain's best in history, but we can't see that. So like, and each era is so different in refs, everything that we can't do it. I never knew that about Will Chamberlain. Now that's pretty cool. There's an entire there's this thing on YouTube, and I and I I took a deep dive into this thing. It's called the Will Chamberlain Archive, and they just have tons and tons of stories just from people, just about like the just and the, and things that they they talk up also hit the competition of that time because people like they look back at the time and the thing the knock on that time is. They say Wilt Chamberlain beat up on them because they were a bunch of small white guys. That's the story. But really, like they like they go in depth and like the people he was playing against. He was playing against like guys six eleven. He played against a couple seven footers and stuff like this. They were, these weren't small people. But uh, I think it's. I think he made the game look so. Just first and foremost, we don't even talk about the fact that he scored a hundred points in the game. Yeah, and. That was close to here, right? That was in Hershey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was in Hershey. He he was he was playing for Philly, but he lived in New York, and they were playing against New York. So he drove de- to Hershey with two guys from the Knicks. Hmm. <laughs> he drove with them from New York to Hershey, scored a hundred points on them, and then had to get in a car and drive back. With them. <laughs> That's some awkward silence. Right, right. He said he tried to act sleep the whole time. That's it. He tried to act. It's like, what? Like, that's just insane. Like, what you, these guys are probably all pissed off. Like, you just scored 100 points on our team. That's how far the NBA's come. People were driving in cars. To, you know what I mean? To go to games. Now. now they have their own airplanes. Now they have planes and all kinds of stuff. Like, that's that's how far it's come. It's big money now. It is. It's huge money. I mean, basketball is a basketball is ultimate entertainment. I mean, uh, it's short of you know watching gladiators. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they want to see big things moving fast. Seems like uh, I think it's taking over some of the popularity from ba- from uh, football. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I think Football's it's taking some of those fans. Out, man. Mm-hmm. I, think I think so too. Is. Unfortunately, I think, I think after the, like the whole just kneeling situation, like everyone just stopped watching. Like, I think it was more than that. I think, think it, it. I think it was. It was the concussions too. I think yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think it's a twofold. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people thought that the NFL was kind of lying about that stuff, and people oh, were getting yeah. hurt, and a lot of the a lot of the players that now like are younger, the younger generation of people like I grew up with are dying from this stuff, mm-hmm. like. uh I love the, you know, I love the Eagles and the Eagles in the nineties, the early nineties, they had like Reggie white, but they also had all these other guys. And Andre waters was the safety for the Eagles. And, um, I mean, he was brutal. You know, they, a lot of people said he was a dirty player, but he just hit the crap out of people. But he, by when he turned, when he's like 45 years old, when he, he committed suicide, and uh, like basically couldn't remember his kids' names, and like they said that uh, um, he had dementia, mm-hmm. you know, like all those kind of mental problems, you know. And like I think like p- more people hear those stories, a they they don't want their kids to play, mm-hmm. you know. And then you start realizing, okay, well if this was going on, why were and you know the the NFL knew about the, all, this was going on way before they're going to tell you mm-hmm. why. They, so they obviously don't care about the players. 
you know and yeah. then you add the kneeling stuff whatever your opinion is on that a yeah. lot of people because of that won't you know people yeah. on both sides of that stop like, yeah yeah because i was like going you know because I, I i saw some like there was this sign on rossville road mm-hmm. and there was it was like um it said something it was like not watching the nfl because they don't like the veterans or something like that <laughs> like that's a, like that was the the gist of it yeah and um so I was like, okay, so it's affecting that side like that. And then I knew a whole bunch of people who were just like, you know, like they were mad at the NFL for trying to punish them. So they're yeah. like, yeah. all right, well, we're not going to watch it. But I don't know. I think I just kind of yeah. lost interest in it. Well, even back to what you said about the injuries, like I heard on a game the other day, the one commentator said the percentage of people who get injured in the NFL are 99%. At least one injury, like ninety nine percent of the NFL yeah. throughout all history, at least ninety nine, like to get at least one injury in yeah. the season. That is ridiculous. Oh, they talk about all NFL players talk about it all the time. Once they retire, they're like, there wasn't a season I didn't go through where I had a major, uh, major surgery in the off season. Mm-hmm. They talk about it all the time. I mean, it's uh, you know. <laughs> Well, that's why I don't care if anybody comes to me, at me and says that they shouldn't be making this crazy money. Those players should be making every red cent. They should make it be making twofold what they make. Because, mm-hmm. you know, in the end of the day, when they're 40 years old and they can't walk and they can't and like all these things that are happening to their body, you know, uh, I'm sorry. Like, I think they should get every penny. You know, these owners are making mil- billions and billions of dollars mm-hmm. off of these players money that we can't even imagine mm-hmm. you know what i mean so like to tell me that the guys that are sacrificing their bodies you know mm-hmm. you know they're coming from places that we can't even imagine and they're like some of these guys this is like they're 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 in their mindset this is their way out mm-hmm. you know and they're willing to sacrifice their they know their body especially nowadays you you know at this point what can happen to you oh yeah so like guys are willing to basically sacrifice their maybe sacrifice their 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 brain, you know. I mean, I played football. I know I had plenty mm-hmm. of customers when I played football. We were still at the state where, hey, you just you know you suck it up and you. I probably, I don't know how many concussions I got, but I got enough mm-hmm. to know that something's probably not right. But it is what it is. <laughs> See, but that's the thing about it. It's like CTE right now is. Like a thing that they're like, all right, if you're an NFL player and you played, you could be at risk for this. But I don't really even see them yet kind of talking about the idea that like, who's just, well, you just think that it's just developed once you get to the NFL. Like right, you don't right. think that the beginnings of this right. happen far before Absolutely. you even step on the NFL field. You're, like it. I remember they said there was a dude in college and then he died and they said he had a brain of a 60 year old Yeah, from just like the contact that he'd taken well, already th- in his life. When you start playing midget football, what age? I started playing football at like, I want to say six or seven. So your and brain is still developing at that point. And I didn't, I, I started when I was like 11. Okay. But, but yeah. I'm trying to think how five, old. Six. Yeah. Definitely my, in places like Florida and Texas where it's like. Re, like real like a real culture like, Zayden played uh three or four years ago and he was like dude first 
second or first or second practice, something like that. He br- he was standing by. I uh, never stand by the pile, dude. I told him. He's like, you never stand by the pile because nothing good happens when you're standing by no. the pile. Stand by the pile, not paying attention. He's like six years old. Gets hit, puts his arm down to brace himself, breaks his arm. I'm like, he's skinny, man. He's been 47 pounds for like five years. Like, I don't think football is his thing, you know? I think basketball, he likes basketball. So I think we're going to stick with basketball. Mm -hmm. But like, I'm kind of happy. Like, I I don't really, I mean, I love football. I would love to have a kid that loved one to play football, but I'm not willing to put him out there and put pressure on him to make him play. Mm-hmm. You know, plus if you don't want to do football is one of those sports, in my opinion, if you don't want to do a hundred percent, you're getting hurt. Yeah. That, I think a lot of injuries happen that way too. You know, mm-hmm. cause you're standing by a pile. You're not the guy tackling the guy laying on the ground. You're standing by the pile. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like, that's why I always tell people at basketball with them last couple games that people try to squeeze oh, in at yeah. the end. That's when people get hurt because people are already mentally checked out. They're just like, like I'm done. going through the motions and stuff like that. And it's at those times where your brain's on a vacation and then you land on somebody's foot oh. or you, you know what I mean? Like that's when that happens the most. I see it all the time. <laughs> it's because you're not there a hundred percent when you're there and in the moment, I think that that gives you the best ability to not get injured. Don't get me wrong. You can get injured at any yeah. time, but when you're there and you feel it, you're aware of your surroundings. It's different than when you're thinking about what you're going after to eat for lunch and stuff. Like yeah, that's, it's a different thing. Thinking about what they're gonna do, you know, later on today or yeah. whatever they're doing. No, yeah, it happens. You can see it Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday. That last game is always ugly, it, and there's always the one couple people that have enough energy to keep playing, and then there's a couple people that are like just there because they didn't want to leave, and then everybody can't play, and this yeah. is yeah, you know? like come on, man. exactly, come on, come yeah, on. you know, and then you whatever you know, like, yeah, because I feel like getting hurt out here. <laughs> and then there's and Troy leaves all the time. He's he's like I, he knows. He's, he's, all, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, like yeah, I'm I've out. Been there on them Thursdays, yeah. He knows when it, when when it's about to decline. So, but you know, you're right. It's I think football. It's even more important. You got to be in a hundred percent and like gung ho. Those guys, I think, get hurt less playing football. The ones that are, I don't know. It just seems feels that way. Yeah. Because you like see guys in football, they're like, injury prone, and usually they're not the guys that are like at it, like mm-hmm. going at it the whole time, and like. And then you see guy like, did you ever see uh what's uh Harrison from Pittsburgh? Yeah, James. Harrison. Yeah, he's a, a ant man. That guy's a beast. You see his weight? He's like lifting routine and stuff. Nah. Like he's like pulling cars and stuff. Like he's <laughs> a he's a like still to this point, hmm. like he's a monster. That dude, like, and they talk about it. Like, the fo- the guys on the team are like, we can't even keep up with him. And he's, like, 40 years old. He played last year. Did he play last year? I don't know if he played last year or the year before. I can't remember. But yeah, remember he's played he within two years. Within the last two years. So, mm. you so, know. So, how, uh, how 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 do you feel about the, the five games uh, of the, the, the Norristown season? How's, how's that been? Uh, definitely learning process since we haven't got a lot of practice and stuff like that. We're still learning chemistry and everything like that. I think that we have all the talent and pieces in the world. I think that we can take over this league. Um, but again, we got to 
create that chemistry, that teamwork, um, and know where each other's going to be at. Because, again, it's IQ. It's knowing where to put your pieces, when to put them. Like, there's so many. There's always a mismatch on the court. Like, I was watching the game film earlier today. There's always a mismatch on the court. But yet we don't exploit it every time. If we went on the court and was all in, just like the football players, every single one of us, we would just find that immediately and say, hey, he's got the mismatch. Take it to him right away. And I feel like that's one thing we got to learn. But again, it comes with experience. It comes with IQ, learning the game, knowing when to pass it, when not to pass it. But again, I think that the loss that we just had was uh, definitely a learning lesson we needed. Because we were getting comfortable, we were getting such a high state. Everyone was like, "You guys are being, you're incredible," and it's like that. So we all started believing that, and then we came into a game, like, "Oh, we got this. It's gonna be easy." And then we showed, he didn't show up, and now we all we all don't like losing. And yeah. so, going over into Thanksgiving, eating Thanksgiving dinner, knowing that you got a loss under your belt, now you want to come back and play yeah. harder than ever. And so that's one thing that I thought that was very beneficial, our loss. But we're right there. We're, we're right there. We've got some work to do. Yeah, man. That's, uh, if, you, if you're willing to learn from it, losing's a good thing. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, man. I don't ever – I don't look at – I think loss is something that you have – like when you're young, you you're, you're emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you and when you lose – you get caught up in the emotion of the moment. And when you do that, you can lose the entire thing that you could have learned from it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's but that's youth and that's well, not even youth. It's more or less a maturity thing because I guess you can you can find it out at any time. Mm-hmm. But it's you know, it's one of those things you have to go through being mad about loss mm-hmm. to learn that it's not really anything to be mad about. It's something to learn from. You know, mm-hmm. it's. Well, when you're, when you, as you say, when you get emotional and stuff, you don't look at it and everything like that. And so the next game, you're going to make the same mistakes over and over again. If you come out of the game, you say, yes, I lost this one. I had a terrible game, but now I'm going to go learn from it. I didn't play defense this play. I wasn't all in every single play. Um, you learn each play from it. And so instead of walking out of the game like, I lost this game for our team or I did this, I hate like what anything that's going on through your head. It's coming out of the game saying, wow, I learned how to be a better player. And now the next person who sees me is going to have even more trouble with me. Yeah. And so, again, it's like that's how the greats are. LeBron, Will Chamberlain. Yeah. Every single day you're getting better. It's no it's never a finish line. There's no finish line whatsoever. You're always getting better. And so that's the thing that again with youth it's it's it, you learn it at any point in your life but to actually sit there and admit it and see it and then go work harder. That's where I feel like you'll be even more successful than getting emotional yeah. or something a little like that. <laughs> I just feel like when you get emotional you just you're going to probably process something in a way that when you look back on it, you'd be like, man, I, if I would have came from a different perspective, I could have took something completely different from that situation. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's not something that's 
you know, people are emotional. You know, there's so many different things happening in people's lives. Uh, I remember on, on even on Thursday, like I like I got I don't know, like I got mad. It was like uncharacteristic, and it was weird because when I thought about it, I was like, this whatever just happened really didn't have anything to do with basketball. Mm-hmm. Like it was something, some other thing that was like inside of me. Mm-hmm. that the moment and you know i had now of course yeah they were fouling me but it's like people always found me you yeah know what i mean like I, yeah to get, get mad, a lot. to get mad about getting fouled like i'd be mad all the time like i don't really get mad about that so when i had to, like an outburst it let me know like oh that was something else that wasn't even like really related to basketball mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, 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 you know it's not easy to control your emotions Yes, yeah. it's. Uh, I could tell on two on Thursday though. There, that, there was that one game. There, the, you you just had that point where you weren't losing. It's just got yeah. Just, you you uh, lost a couple, and you're like, I'm not losing again. I don't, uh, you know, and and I don't really like getting to that point because it's like I always want to. I always want the game to be fun for everybody who I'm playing with. Yeah, but at some point in time. The thing I've learned from watching the greats is, is that at some point in time, you have to learn when you have to make the separation. Like you have to, you can play down to a competition level for a while. Nobody, there's all the greats have done it. There's, I sometimes I watch LeBron, sometimes you know, and I'll be like, man, like why is he acting like these people can guard him? Mm-hmm. But that so that happens to all people. All people, uh, you know. I saw Michael Jordan. It, it was less. It was less time with him. But I've seen not everybody. They, you know, they get to this point where they're they're playing down to to the competition. But the greats learn that when it's time to win, that you have to go into that other gear, mm-hmm. and you have to be able to kick that on, mm-hmm. and. You know, I don't, you know, I, I, I never, uh, you know, I never confuse, uh, you know, I'm not, not claiming to be one of the greatest of all time or anything, but I learn from them. Mm-hmm. I learn, I learn a lot from them. You know, I learned a lot from Michael Jordan. You know, Michael Jordan taught me how to demoralize people on basketball courts and that's, that's the number one thing that I, you know, I use that because it's it becomes a mental game. If you can make a person believe that they can't guard you, then mm-hmm. that's half the battle. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people give up. Mm-hmm. I've seen so many people give up and that in and and really all it is is just about exploiting the weakness. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. Once they give up, they've given up every time they play you. They're going forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've 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 broke them. It's yeah. It's a certain. It's it's kind of like uh, I'm giving them the, the choice. Are you going to rate rise to 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 the opportunity of of, of guarding me, <laughs> or are you going to kind of shrink away from it? And the, and with the style you play with too, it it makes I think it kind of breaks their will. Yeah. It's in a way your name's will, but you yeah, break their yeah, will. Break, it, it's that's all it is. That's that's what I would watch. I'd watch Michael Jordan do this. Like he would uh just seeing the great play and seeing everything play, like 
again, everything in life just comes down to a mentality. Like, it's, are you going to do it? Like, people, once you get inside their head, once you, like, exploit their weaknesses, they crumble so quickly. Like, and that's not just, like, certain people. Like, I've done it, too. Like, I've seen that happen to me in my life. And I'm still young, learning a lot and trying to control that. But, like, I've also been on the other side where I've been in people's heads so well that there's no chance that they're going to touch me. No chance. And, and that's they what, know it and, and you know it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's where it comes into play. Like, that's not even just basketball. Like, that's why basketball is a whole different game than just a game. It's life. Like, learning on the court, you learn outside, too, like, in jobs and everything. If you sit back and you just get comfortable or you just be like, oh, I'm, I'm good. Like, I, I'm smart enough or I'm doing that and not expand you'll never succeed nowadays yeah but if you sit there every day and be like i'm learning from this loss i'm learning from even this win i'm learning what i did wrong and that's why like when i play basketball like i critique myself i know that i'm one of the best players on the court most of the time that's what i believe yeah but every single play i want to learn something how to get better Mm -hmm. and that's why i think that a lot of people like a lot of the greats and stuff are so incredible because every play there's no playoff. Yeah, I think uh, too. What it's like. Uh, remember, Gio was saying his kid wants to play, wants to be in the NBA and stuff. Yeah. Like kids don't like realize how much, like the NBA guys, how much practice mm-hmm. them guys. Like I was, they were saying uh, LeBron like practices four hours before each game, and then go home takes a nap. Like you don't even, but you don't, you know, those are the mm-hmm. things you don't see. You know, how many shots do you think Steph Curry's taken during practice or after practice and, and before games? You can't, I, we can't even imagine hundreds, thousands, probably who knows. And like, that's the stuff that, you know, it's hard to, hard to, it's hard to even think about or hard to even imagine, you know, but I think sports is a good way to also like, I mean, you can find out a lot about a person just by how they play games, play football, play basketball. It's a glimpse into what a person really is in real life, not just on the basketball court. You know, that's that's what I always say. I say my game to me when I play, it's an artistic expression. It's not really it's me. It's kind of like when I make music, like it's 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 me being able to pour myself into something and to express myself through sports like it's that's how i am i'm very my game tells people more about me maybe than anything you know my game is unorthodox but effective yeah that's the like that's the, the that's the the story of my life Going about things in an unorthodox manner and somehow it working out. <laughs> well, you attack it from a different angle. Yeah. You're, you're doing it in an unusual way that how you do things in, in what I'm, I've observed in general, you're not thinking the same way as the person that guarding you. You know, no. you're attacking basketball in a completely different from a completely different way. It's a different it's I'm looking at it from the standpoint of like at any given moment, I'm prepared to kind of switch something up in order to, you know, whether it's score a basket or something like that. Yeah. That's really how I really get to people by making by making shots that people feel like I shouldn't be able to make. 
or something like or or doing something or just adding a flair sometimes just just a a movement of the ball just sometimes just and then just putting it up there on the backboard or something like i don't always i never know if anything like i believe it's going in but i don't know yeah and that's kind of the way that it is with me in life it's like i'm moving through life and it's funny you know because when we did that one with davy um, the the last podcast before we came, we were just talking to uh, Jesse about that, about how me and Davy, we kind of just like move through life. Um, I don't know if wandering's the word, but it's kind of like we don't really know where we're headed. Like, you know, what I mean, like we're we have some ideas. But we don't really know where we're headed. And that's kind of how it is with me on in basketball. Like, I don't really know how this shot's going to look. I don't know exactly until it's over with. You know, yeah. if somebody jumps at a jumps at try to block it somewhere and I move it over and flip it over my head or something like that. That's just how it happened. That wasn't the plan. I mean, that was just the way it worked, you know. Um but I, that's what you know. I I learned that from Michael Jordan. Like some, like he would just let his imagination take over sometimes. Mm-hmm. And when he did that, that's why he was like, that's why he's like the king of highlights. You know, he would let his imagination do things. That that imagination part of the game, I've seen that separate people from other people. Mm-hmm. I've seen it with LeBron. I've seen it with. Steph Curry, I've seen it with all kinds of people. That imagination part of the game is something that nobody can fake. Like it's you, you're you're either going to use your imagination while playing basketball. Remember or, Jason Williams? Yeah, mm-hmm. Jason he's like Williams. a perfect. You know, you throw, you bouncing throw, it off throw your elbow, elbow. Yeah. Throw an elbow pass. <laughs> you know, the, now those the things he, he don't get it wrong. He did that stuff before in some. Yeah, way. yeah, yeah, but. He did it for the first time somewhere. But he did it. You know what I mean? Like, it's that imagination part of it, you know, putting yourself in a mental space where somebody else can't even get to. Allowing you to get there. Yeah. You know, like, and then then you do something. Some of the funniest, funniest times is like when I do something and then like hearing like gasps from people like, like, oh. Oh man, he made that. You know. Oh, I see. For me, like I, I like now at the point where I'm either on your team or or playing against you, and and like I hear people talk. Like I don't even understand how he made. I'm like, where did that? I'm like, I I'm just like that's just how it is. It's like, just what it is. It's it, the reality. It's that, just what it is. It's like with Mike. Yeah. It's, like it's the Mike. same thing. Mike does. Mike. Mike. Uh, Mike's greatest asset on basketball court is his willpower. That's an extension of who he is. Mike, you know, Mike, Mike wills things into existence. Like, that's what he, like, that's not, I think a lot of people get, they start thinking, you know, they'll be thinking, oh, well, they'll hear some conversations you might be having with him. Yeah, be like, right. Oh, he's weird and all yep. that stuff. But the, that, whether you think it's weird or not, doesn't change the fact that him as a person, he wills things into existence. There's, like that's I, I think everybody does, but he 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 mindfully does it, you know. And 
uh, you know, to be playing. Uh, uh, how old? How old? Uh, forty six. Like we had this. I asked him. I insulted him the other day. I said he was forty seven. <laughs> so he says, "You guys, you guys, you should say I'm I'm younger, not older." I was like, "Well, I knew you were you were a couple years older than me, so I just went forty seven. You know, anybody would. There's a lot of people who are gonna hang it up before forty six. Who aren't gonna be playing any kind of basketball or anything, you know, and. Uh, that's why, you know, I tell Mike that at times. I say, I know people, they like, oh, how do you make that crazy layup? Yeah. Didn't even look like it should go in. Okay. You know, but it did. It Spinning went in. from like He's, the foul line. I don't even know. I remember the other day he did, like, he caught the ball and then he jumped in the air and turned around and shot it. And that got some people's attention. A lot of times he's doing like one handed too. Yeah. And it got some people's attention. And I say, they say, well, how can you do that? It's because he tried. He had the he had the belief that it could go in. Right. You know, that's that's half that's half of the battle. Like if you give him a shoot a shot, you wanna believe it's going in. Yeah, if you but that's why people stay very basic. Yeah. But that becomes robotic. And you can time robotic. You can time when a per like you can time when a person's gonna go up with a layup if they have really no ability in that moment to change if you were to be a step ahead of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, it's, 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 it's interesting. I don't know who gets more size or ooze or oz or whatever between you and Mike. Cause Mike does the same, like he does similar stuff. He like, does. You know, and like it's just funny. I like I'm I'm always usually around the the fray of it, <laughs> so I always hear the 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 sounds that are made and the comments that are made. It's always very interesting. I think it's I think a lot of it is, uh, it's kind of tapped into like, um, I think even me and his spiritual views Maybe. like kind of affect how we play basketball. Yeah, well, I think because you're just very free thinking and free thought. Yeah, we we we're. We're, we're really yeah we're trying to be free right you know uh and to play basketball freely is one when you see somebody playing free and uh that's that's what people come to watch mm-hmm. they don't really come to watch you do textbook layups no they don't, they don't really come to watch you do like and shoot foul shots or nothing like you that see, they they're... come to get they want to see something in that day that they've never seen before. They're not there saying, gee, I see how well that guy boxed him out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really technically sound. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because remember back when Mike, he uh, was talking about that, he said that he plays hard every single game because he knows that there's someone in that stadium that's never seen him play. Yeah. So he wanted to prove that he had the imagination and he had uh, everything that he everyone said about him, that he knew that someone in that stadium I've never seen him play. Yeah. So why not put on a show every night? Put on the show. Put on the, Why not? Because, I mean, for me, I know, like, even when I go to the rec on Sunday and there's, like, somebody new there, I'm just like, oh, you don't know. <laughs> like, and, like, and, and, I, and, not to, and that's never, like, I don't ever mean it, like, maliciously. But, I, I mean, like, you know, it's, I know there's going to come a point in time where, they're going to, you know, if they're going to, there might be somebody who guards me or something like that. And I, it's all becomes about a confidence thing. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to, 
I'm trying to break your confidence and your belief that you can guard me. And part of that is the preparation of doing stuff before I even play you so that you watch it. And then, then you start thinking stuff like, Oh, what if he does that to me? <laughs> what, if, what, if, what if he blocked my shot? What if he, what if he do, does a whoop de woo over the head, you know, layup on me and people are saying, people care about that kind of stuff. I expect for people to do stuff like that. If you do something nice Especially to me, I'll Sunday. tell you. I'll be like, oh, that's a good move. Mm-hmm. You mean like it, it? But that's all it is. It's like I learned from blocking shots that nobody should ever be embarrassed that you get your shot blocked. No person who has never you – know, there's nobody who's ever played basketball who's not had their shot blocked. So – but people can – you can get control over people by blocking shots. Like – you, you, know, you, you block a couple of shots and now sometimes I get those blocks where I don't even jump like I just my presence like yeah. I just I just make well, you I, throw it over the there's rim a physic, there's like, a physicality to blocking a shot I think is. that's what that's part of it's that it's like a dunk yeah it's <laughs> yeah it's like a dunk it gets the ooze and the nobody eye. wants dunked on nobody you know they yeah. don't want to be the poster you don't want to be the po- but even getting dunked on is still not as like you know, most people are like, oh, he got posterized. Well, not if they didn't take a picture. <laughs> if I'm playing somewhere and there's no, what, somebody dunks on me? Oh, what, I'm supposed to quit now? Like, what? I'm going right back at them. I'm like, if you, I mean, like, I don't even, like, if you dunk on me, I don't even remember the last time I got dunked on, but if you dunk on me, then that me, that actually is going to probably make me, like, really just dial in now. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not really going to. I'm just going to try to destroy you. I just never really played at places where people get dunked that well. So. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> I, didn't really get, I didn't get dunked on until, like, I went to college. And, like, I was going to play um, until I decided not to. And, like, there was this one dude on the team. And I remember this one, we went somewhere. And we were playing two-on-two. And, we, we like, we had we both had girls on the team. It was so it was me, me and some girl, and then him and some girl. And he dunked on me. And, and then I was like, these girls are watching this stuff. Like, <laughs> so then after that, I just went in the zone. Like, I was like, I was like, all right, you, you, you try to dunk on me in front of these girls and stuff. Now you got them laughing. And He's stuff. challenging you. Yeah, man. It was, it, but it was cool though. You know, I, I wish I, I. It's been a long time since I dunked on somebody. <laughs> my physical, like my physical. You know, I while I still have some athleticism, it's not where it once was. Yeah, it's been a long time for me too. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since I broke out the stool. Got the stool out and dunked. <laughs> Go to a dunk ball, man. Well, <laughs> we used to play at the elementary school, and they had like nine foot rims. So I could dunk on that. Yeah, anyway, that's, that's about as best I could do. <laughs> A lot of knee injuries and ankle injuries uh, since I could even touch the rim. So, what um, what what do you think you've learned? What, what's what's the biggest thing you've learned since you played high school? You know, till now, because that's a different. You know, that's that's a different. You learn so much more because you play in other places and stuff like that, and you're older and all that stuff. Do you feel like a like a different player 
than you were in high school? Definitely. Uh, in high school, it just I didn't have the IQ. I didn't really understand. I didn't have the confidence at all. So I had all the pieces. I had Brad DeBella, had Dylan who could shoot, so I would drive and kick. But now it's it's more than just having people on your team. It's believing every move, seeing stuff before. It just mm. everything is just so much easier. Like being taught that like you gotta is being effective. Like instead of going and doing ten crossovers and then making a layup. Why not just do one or two and get by the person like you're supposed to? Mm-hmm. And so that's the one thing that I've learned the most throughout my life and everything is instead of just doing all these little things like around the house or anything in life, be effective with it. Like make it easier. Like, be efficient. In a way. Be, be efficient. very efficient. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing I've learned from uh, high school to college to the ABA Norristown is just being the confidence and just knowing that I have the capabilities of it and now I'm going to go do it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's why I always, I always used to try to drill into the heads when, when, when I was coaching that I would say stuff about basketball, but I always try to tell you guys, these are life things. These aren't just basketball things. And you're going to learn that one day. You're going to learn that it's not just something that, uh, you know, you can apply to basketball. Uh, you know, that's, it, there's life lessons to be learned, like about uh, definitely like uh, uh, communication. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like just, you know, trying to trying to make five people on a court be like one thing. Like that's a different thing. Like, but in life that turns into like, um, you know, that turns into stuff like, uh, you know, you – in life, you need kind of teams of people in order to do the more significant things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. So you, it, it teaches you to see the value in a person mm-hmm. as opposed to, oh, well, he's slow. And this, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you could see it that way. But if you want to win, you're not looking at your teammate that you're on the court with for his negative things Mm -hmm. you're looking at him like all right well what does he do well and let's get that going you know yeah you know how can how can how can we come together Mm -hmm. at the best possible place and that's you know that's 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 a hard thing in life Mm -hmm. it's hard for two people to do that let alone five people you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. or or like look at like a business or something like that like all these businesses, you know, they all began as people coming together with an idea. With an idea to make something out of the ordinary happen. And teamwork is essential to life. Yeah, I mean, how do you think like like you have a team that one year can't beat anybody, right? And then you get the same players essentially on that same team, but a different coach comes in with a different philosophy and they make helps them play together yeah. and all of a sudden they're you know they're winning you know maybe not winning championships but they're winning twice as many games as they did the year before yeah. same players just different philosophy a different philosophy. a different way of going about it and trying to get them to play together you know yeah. i think that you see that all the time in sports i think even with, you know with you and your situation with you you know when you got your interns and stuff oh. you know that that was how how is all that going? It's kind of it's not going well right now. So 
it's kind of at a standstill. Eh. It's just, it's one of those like downtimes because certain things happen with money and stuff and you yeah. just can't keep, you know, you can't keep paying for everything when yeah, you have, no. when you, when you don't have any money to pay for it. <laughs> but it's, a, but, but that's, but you know, it's but not going to stop. Yeah. And plus, you know, they, that's, it's not, first of all, it's not a loss because it's, you know, it's not like it's over. No. So there's that. And then there's the idea of, even, you know, you, you still have the ability to learn, you know, from, you know, I wish I, I wish I had the, uh, belief to start a nonprofit organization. You know what I mean? Like I, that's. I sometimes put uh, unattainable goals on myself, which is not always the best thing. It's it, sometimes it's good for me, but sometimes, most of the times, it's not good because it it's things that, in certain points, in certain situations, if I had certain things, it'd be a lot easier and it'd be attainable. But right now, it's just not attainable. And thinking that you know, my goal is to have a house by summertime, and now I'm like, um. Not that I don't think we will, but I'm still hope. You know, I'm less hopeful than I was two months ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, other projects start too. That's the other thing that kind of like some of my attention got pulled away with a different project. So I gotta stay a little. Sometimes I get too. I don't get focused enough. I lose focus on one. I have starting. horrible attention because I'm always like I'm in. I'm involved in so many different things. Yeah. I think like the new idea is like the shiny thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you like the new idea comes along and it's like the shiny thing you see and you're like, Ooh, I, I'm excited about cool that. I sh- yeah. I want to do that. And then like realizing in the back of my mind, I have to keep, keep going with the other stuff, but I still lose attention with the, with the old stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. So like the whole, the cryptocurrency with the, with the, uh, Red Cross, you know that kind of yeah. stuff. Like I have the I I have everything laid out, like everything I want to do, but it's just a matter, you know. Freaking comes down to money. I mean, that, always comes down to money. Yeah, it comes down to to that. You know, there's so many different things that I could see myself doing, but it's just like I don't have the money for it. So the greatest ideas with no money. Yeah, you know, and that's. Uh, I guess realistically, I mean, like you just have, you just it can't, you can't let it stop you no. from creating new things. No, even though sometimes, like I know a lot of people in my life, they think you know they they wonder why I do a lot of the stuff that I do, and yeah, I just try, I try to tell them like I don't really have a choice. Like once something works its way in my mind enough to become like tangible. Then it's like, all right, well, let me see if I can make this into something real. And, you know. Thoughts come into my mind and they keep me up at night. That's my problem. So I have to work them out. If I don't work them out, then they keep me up at night. So, like, I I have, like, a just the the crypto with the uh, and doing the something similar to red cross like has been on my mind a lot and i have a real i've worked out the plan really well so now it's a matter of i don't know how to get to the next step you know what i mean because now the thing about with that stuff is there's a lot of investment in freaking government and like the regulations they're starting they're trying to restrict stuff so now of course you got lawyers well who the heck can afford lawyers? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, 
you know, so it's like at some point I have to just get it all down on paper and then make it look pretty and then try and find, I guess, try and find investors. You know, that's always been my biggest problem, I think, is that I never really tried to find people who could invest in anything because I have the ideas and it's like the truth of the matter is, is that. The investor usually is somebody who's kind of lived the life where they've uh, they've been focused on money predominantly, right? And that's more, you know, they're not they're not idealists, so to speak, right? They're, they're people, you know, who've lived another kind of life who could fund that kind of thing because nope. they probably usually lack that kind of maybe imagination or something i think it just takes different people to the creative person is just a different mind you know i mean like and i think it's less driven by people that are driven by money i don't want to say are less creative but just have a different mindset i guess it's a a different approach yeah trying to attain success in life like you like you you're you know they're, they're going at it from the standpoint maybe of i can make a certain amount of money and that will make my life successful and i understand that logic like i get it but i just that's just not how my mind right right i've never like i I just don't think that it i don't think that it makes people happy like i don't i i've what do you need it really to be happy? Like, I mean, how I much think... money is enough? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, I think about people that are like billionaires and trillionaires or whatever could, whatever the, the number is. Like, what is, like, where is your cut? Like, where is your cutoff? Where is like, like you know what? People used to want to be like millionaires, but now that's like, if somebody's like a millionaire, yeah, that's, that's all nothing. you want to be. Like, you What's just wrong with you? A, you just want to be a millionaire. That's it. Like, <laughs> you don't want billions. Yeah, sure. Like, you know, it's it is it, it it's weird. I don't know. I think with my uh, crypto idea, I can ma- I could make make it that so much money would funnel to funnel to the people that need it. Like I've thought it out even further than what I was telling you, and it's at the point now where it would fund itself and no money would go to overhead. So mm-hmm. like every dollar, except for like point zero one percent will go to the people that need it. Wow. So like Red Cross, you know, 10% it goes to the person that needs it. 90% goes to overhead. Like yeah. I'd be blow that out of the water. Yeah. Right. But like we said, it's got to get, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I have a hard time. Like, like we said, we can create, I can create things. You're in the it's middle the disconnection. of the, you're in the middle of the road, you know, and yeah. that's, that's, it's, so if anybody, it's a hard place to be at. Anybody's listening. That's an investor. Yeah, <laughs> Will's got some got good some ideas. ideas. Mike, I'm sure you got some ideas. You could get some stuff going. <laughs> Something going. Right? What, do, what do you, what do you see? What do you see for yourself? Where would you ideally be in like 10 years? Ten years from now, um, I don't know. I haven't thought that far. How old are you? Nineteen. Okay, well, you got a long ways to yeah. go. I mean, but, yeah, that's not something. That... But right, well, like I have thought about it a lot, and the biggest thing in my life is what I've learned through everything is that 
life is just way too short to just worry about money and stuff like that. Like I'm still young, so I haven't have to pay tons and bills and stuff like no. anything like that. But like for me, I would rather make nothing and eat oodles and noodles and go from couch to couch and be happy and do something I passionately love and I passionately want to pursue than go to a nine to five job and come home and be like, well, shit, I got nothing. I really, I'm not happy. Like I'm making money, but I'm not truly happy. And that's where I feel like even like people like inventors and stuff, imagination, they find something they love and they just pursue it and they just attack it and they will, they're just resilient. Like they don't stop. And some of them, most of them have a lot of money and there's others that don't have tons. I think sometimes when you end up doing what you truly want to do and care about, even though you don't care about the money, sometimes the money follows, Mm -hmm. you know, in the end, it's, it's not necessarily that you truly care about, and that was your objective when you set out. Just it kind of comes, you're doing what you love, which in turn will be very successful because you love it, you know, and which in turn the money follows that at some point, you know. But those people also are usually more giving mm-hmm. once they get that money, mm-hmm. you know. So that's. I mean, your perspective from nine at nineteen, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I I wish <laughs> at nineteen yeah, I would have had. Like, when I was 19, I don't even know how I thought. Like, I don't even know what It's a I long time. Before. I can't really... It wasn't... I don't think I was having... Yeah, there wasn't no those, those kind of thoughts, for sure. When I was 19, I was like... I was mostly hung up on the idea that I felt like... Like, I was like... You know, I've been out of high school a couple of years. And I was mostly hung up on the fact that, like, I was really learning from the internet that uh a lot of the stuff i learned was just lies <laughs> like i was just so i was so amazed by it i was just well, like, was that what? when you were going through like the religious stuff yeah i was like, like that was kind of like the beginning i don't know like i think the beginning of that probably started when i was like 11 but like when i was like 19 and 20 that was like i was right about to go to like college where well I, I when i went to hack for a little bit and that's mm-hmm. where i took that world religions class mm-hmm. and that took that you know that changed a lot of how i thought about the world in general but i was already like kind of like moving that way like i don't know it was like youtube became at that point in time that's when it began to mean a lot to me because mm-hmm. i started learning stuff from from strangers <laughs> about about things that were so far outside of what like I knew to be the, reality. The Pandora's box of YouTube. Yeah, it's it's just, just I was just I was just binge watch like I binge watch like lectures and all kinds of things. Like I'd be like in a dark room. I remember I was living with my parents. Like they'd come like looking in the room. Like what's wrong with him? Like. <laughs> <laughs> like man i'm just i'm learning way too much wild stuff right now like and then like one thing will lead you to another yeah and um you know and then when you go back into like the real world and you try to like say those things like what are you even talking about and it's like uh, this is what happens to people who learn things, I guess, and then try to like say them to people who kind of like. Well, no, I think it's what happens to people who have an open mind that are willing to accept. There's maybe not there may be things out there that aren't 
what they seem. Yeah. You I know? Mean, I mean, that's. It, I think that that's an important thing for... I think it's important for anybody to... It's kind of like as a basketball player. It's important for me to test my abilities as a basketball player against the highest level I can possibly see. Like, I like the idea of being able to play against people who um, uh, who can put up a resilience, who, who can make a challenge. Um, and that's the way I approached it from, like, uh, when I was like studying religion and stuff, I had to ask myself. I was like, well, "Are you willing to? Are you willing to possibly lose your faith by challenging?" It, like, it, you know, nobody. I don't think nobody. <laughs> nobody wants to have uh, a faith that it is unchallengeable. You know what I mean? Like if 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 you can't, you know, challenge what it is that is your core belief. If it's something that you can't even touch, like yeah. that's, I mean, that's well, you're, that means you're blindsided. Like, for instance, I know people who get into relationships and stuff like that, and they don't even question the millions of other things that are messed up about it. They see the one thing and they just they're like, oh. That's perfect. That's this is like this is what yeah. it is. Full steam ahead. And, and so that's where like I feel like people need to take a step back and just look and be like, is this something that is? Because I feel like everything in uh, this world is there is so many sides to everything, and mm-hmm. so you gotta look at it. And there's no proof of a lot of things, but it's better to just take a step back and then you can even learn from it. Even if that it wasn't wrong and you were like, right. You learn from it. You yeah. learn the other side. You're seeing someone else's perspective. And you're now next time you meet someone like that, instead of just saying, Oh mom, I'm right. I'm right. You're like, no, I understand. I see that. And I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. That's important. It's <laughs> definitely important. You know, with, <laughs> like, I remember there was this one time I, uh, in that world religions class. I remember we did this whole part, on Islam, and like I was like, I re- first of all when we they started the, I, that was when I really realized that I didn't know anything about Islam. Like I didn't like I it was just it was just I knew it existed. I knew people practiced it. I knew there was more Muslims in the world than any other types of religion, but I didn't know anything about them. And eventually, I was like. By the end of the class, though, it was weird because, you know, I'm young and impressionable. I'm like, like I think I'm going to be a Muslim. Like, like I'm, I'm going to go home and start, uh, start praying five times a day and, you know, wa- washing, you know. And, <laughs> um, and it was funny, though, because it's like that can happen, too, when you've been kind of uh, guided away from certain things. It can become the look really attractive to you because it's like you've been kind of, it's the opposite it was like like the flip side of everything that you know you yeah came up with you know mm-hmm. when you grow up in christianity the pendulum like, swung the other way it swung the other way and what people that's people seem to be extremists like that yeah. like you go from this one extreme and then you're like oh it's not like that well i'm gonna go way over here and then be on the complete opposite side 
But in life, the most important thing seems to be balance. Yeah. Like, balance is not a side. People think, you know, they even, that's why they, people make fun of people. That like, well, get off the fence. That's what people tell you. The, the, if you, if you, if you see the value in two different things, somebody would be like, get off the fence. It's like, no, actually, that, like, it's almost kind of like, a, a crazy thing to realize that like that's what's been going on the whole time like people have been asking you to make choices for what you're going to affiliate yourself with when in fact you can learn from everything like you don't have like you don't have to just be on one side or the other side of something you can see the value and the downsides of both things you don't have to. It's it's like a game that they try to like make you believe that you have to be this way, and then it's like no, it's that's not how any of this works. If 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 anything, all that is going to do is make you be really closed minded. Well, I think that's how how we end up with the where the point we are now, where everybody's in their little box. Yeah, you know, politically. Whatever. There's like boxes everywhere, you know, it's like everybody boxes. just hanging out in their own little box and they don't want to leave it. And they, and anybody that's not in their box is wrong. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they prove a point or whatever, or, or logically, or they have facts. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We, we don't care. I'm in my box and I'm not leaving and you're wrong no matter what you say. Yeah. And it's just a- until we get past all that nonsense. All the stuff that goes on with politics and all that kind of stuff is never going to change. No, it's just going to be the same. And that's why I'm not good with it, a lot of it because I don't fit well in boxes. No, I, never have. I don't. Like, it, I don't. You can't just. Especially you, nowadays, I'm a bad party person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't fit. If you're going to be trying to, trying to talk, talk, talk about somebody badly, yeah, I'm going to try to find. The part of them that you're going to have to acknowledge as something good. Yes. Just because it's like, I just don't see, like, I mean, it's got to the point where it's like, there's been times where, like, I've literally, like, tried to, like, argue with people over, like, the idea that, like, you know, like, like, I'll, I'll say this, people be like, well, you know, Hitler, you know, he's one, like, he's the worst thing ever and all that stuff. I'm like, well, you got to remember that there was people... Who loved Hitler? Mm-hmm. Like there was people. Like if if anybody can love you, that means that justifies in my book your existence. If anybody can love you, that means that your life had purpose. Like so, a lot of people they they just write it off like, well, he he world would have just been a better place if he never would have existed or something. It's like, yes, he did terrible, horrible things, but. When people got to stop playing this good bad game, cause that, cause all you're doing is setting yourself up for somebody to say, one day that you're a bad thing. <laughs> like as soon as you want to start saying that somebody this thing over here is the bad and all that, somebody's looking at you the same way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and people forget that. I'm I'm always very aware of that, and that's part of that. Just came from I think growing up. Like in Ephrata, like I was always, I, um, I guess what you would call like a pariah. Like I was always an outcast. Like I was always kind of on the fringes of, uh, their little like, uh, 
society or whatever. Like, yeah. I've never been, I've never been accepted by the town. Yeah, I don't yeah. even really regard it as my home. Like, I, I got, I, it's, it's just a place I lived. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a place I lived at. I, I've, they've never embraced me or tried to, like, uh, uh, I don't know, like, uh, help my life or anything like that. So it's like, I don't, I'm always on, I'm always an outcast because I have thoughts that are outside of the box. I mean, when you have outside of the box thoughts, that makes people kind of like uneasy. Yeah. You're challenging them. Yeah. And like, why aren't you, why aren't you just saying what everybody else is saying? You're challenging them, making them feel uncomfortable. see the world like everybody else. You're making them feel uncomfortable and they don't want to feel uncomfortable. Especially when their little, their world is, is, you know, all proper and good and everything's going well. And heaven forbid somebody come out back, come along with an idea that, you know, things aren't, all what they seem. Well, the biggest thing with that is I think the biggest problem with this world nowadays is comfortability. People get so comfortable because they've lived something their whole life and they get so blinded to everything. When you are able to step out of that comfortability and you can start to see anything, it's not easy. You start to see stuff and learn stuff that is it's a challenge like you've never seen before. And by doing that, you're actually growing. When you stay comfortable and you stay in your home, saying your mindset, and you're just like, no, this is right all the time. This is what I've been told, so there's no wrong. There's, there's, you just become comfortable, and it's just you don't learn. When you step out of that, you say, hey, there is two sides. Like you said, there is a balance in life. So you got to see both sides. You got to say, listen, there might be this. But there might be this, but we don't know for a fact. We can't, none of us can prove it for a fact. Like, we might have facts and stuff like that for some things, and some things are factual. But, like, we are so just blindsided and just go for it and so comfortable. I mean, if we all stepped out of that, I can't even imagine what this country would be. I, I say people have a hard time looking past the backyard, mm-hmm. is what I think. Like, I say that all the time because. You look past your backyard and you look past Ephrata and looked into different places and realized that what uh, the things that are going on in different places, you realize that there's some things that we should be concerned about. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with anybody across any ocean Mm -hmm. anywhere or across an any imaginary border. There's things that are going on in this country that are an hour and a half away from here that are that are just unexcusable. Mm-hmm. This thing's going on 25 minutes away well, from me. Yeah. 20, 20 minutes away. There's all kinds. Of, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. You yeah, know? That's true. But in these kinds of places, though, in these little middle American places, they don't have to pay attention to things going on in the city. But anybody who pays attention to what's going on in the city understands that uh, it's already warfare and stuff here. Mm-hmm. It's already it's already going on. It's been going on a long time, and now only now do people. I think once these, once once people's children in Middle America stop feeling safe, once they had to start questioning whether or not they should send their kids to school because they don't want somebody to come shoot it up. Yeah, that's really when I feel like this big gun control push happened. 
people didn't care when people were shooting each other in South Central and stuff like that. Like nobody. One and a half people are dying a day in Chicago. We yeah, don't care. They didn't care about that. That wasn't. They, that was at not their world. That yeah. was something that they didn't. That was That's... way. That was somewhere else. But now you know the the the, the chickens came home to roost. <laughs> like they're like we're we're seeing that this gun control issue you know we it's at a point now where i don't even think it's something you can't i don't even think they can control guns anymore. i don't think it's something that can be controlled anymore. for me i don't, I don't even think guns are a problem but see i don't know i don't think guns are a I problem think certain guns might be there like, might be certain people guns shouldn't be you know people shouldn't be Walking down and walking in Kmart with AK 47s, yeah, like yeah, that, and be like, Oh, well, I got the right to bring this in here. Like, see, I'm like weird with rights, though. Like, when we, I'm like, I'm all about the rights. I, I don't know, I just and also conspiracy minded, so it's like, yeah. uh, like, what's really going on in some of those shootings, <laughs> you know? So, mm-hmm. but. Oh, no, uh, well, I mean, it's like <laughs> Chicago is, is like gun free zone, right? But what's you know, it's a gun free zone. It's a gun free zone. That's the stupidest thing that ever was said. That Chicago is a gun free zone, <laughs> and we got a, a one and a half people dying a day in Chicago. What kind of stuff is that? Well, so, like, what? A, I mean, I think so many things happen that lead up to these shootings that have nothing to do with guns. That people, that people don't care, mm-hmm. and like you know, these the drugs that are given to these most of the people that are doing these shootings that kind of stuff like i mean i don't know i just think a lot of stuff leads up to that stuff and you know but that's just kind of me i don't know the gun control stuff like i don't think i don't you're right there's some of these guns i don't know i don't know i don't see how i just don't see how you can be like that's for my self-defense like like you shoots like a hundred rounds in yeah. like ten what seconds. I, I don't. Do? I don't. What are you trying to defend yourself? Trying to kill deers with that? Like, yeah. is that really sport? Yeah. Is it like, what's like? That. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I could teach a ten year old to take a gun that shoots a hundred rounds in ten seconds to shoot to kill anything. You know, <laughs> like, why do we need that kind of stuff? Like, I don't get that stuff. Listen, I, I think there's a line. Like, you know, somebody, you know, somebody got. Uh, I think some people. We, it was funny because yesterday, uh, the first stop I was talking to like, um, talking to like my wife's cousins and stuff, and we said it. We were like, "There's probably gonna be some shooting somewhere. It's probably gonna be a shooting somewhere on Where everybody, Black Friday." Yeah, situation. Sure enough, it happened. Two, I think two people yep. got shot, and then they killed the. They killed the gunman. Yeah. But I think he shot like a 12 year old girl. Yeah. At like, I think it was like a mall. It was. Where was that at? I don't know where it was, but I remember there was two people. It was a 12 year old girl and it was at a mall and they yeah. killed the gunman. I was like, and, but the fact that Missouri we were maybe? There, Missouri? It could have been. I don't even know. For some even reason know. that popped into my head. But the reason, but the, the fact that like we could be sitting there on Thanksgiving pretty sure a room full of people pretty sure that there was going to be a shooting sometime in the next 24 hours and then it happened that lets you know that's where our like that's where our we think it's normal now mm-hmm. we just it, it and it is normal because it it goes on like 
just about. I, I don't think two weeks ever. I feel like two weeks doesn't ever go by where I don't hear that there was like more than four people getting shot somewhere. And there's some they don't even report. Yeah. You know? This is wild. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I was, when they, did you see before the midterm elections, there was the, like, they had the caravan, right? They're talking about the caravan a lot. And, uh, and then they were talking, and then the bombs that were sent yeah. to all the, so, like, that was on Facebook and this one guy had a meme, right, on Facebook. And it was <laughs> SpongeBob meme for whatever reason. And it said, when caravans don't work and bo- uh, self-mailed bombs don't work, and then it had a suitcase and he was pointing to what was in the suitcase. He said, it said Q mass shooting. The next day was that shooting. Oh no. I was like, that's kind of crazy. Like the dude was just like, I mean, it just, what well, didn't take much. It was just a meme. And and he was right. You know what I mean? Oh man. At some point, like I always think that they're trying to take the guns, but then it's like, really, if they want to like do martial law and stuff, we talked about this. It, I mean, our guns aren't going to matter, you know? Mm-hmm. The only times the guns really matter if, like, another country would try to invade us, right? Then mm-hmm. we have enough guns to defend ourselves against that. I mean, no country would come in here right now because the whole, what, there's more guns more guns in America than there is people. Mm-hmm. But I want to know, if you got, however, you know how much they spend on the military. $750 billion. So if you spend $750 billion on defense and military i you should nothing should happen like who should where says somebody in the world who's who's gonna mess with somebody put 750 billion dollars into trying to defend their country like nobody because the next 10 the next 10 countries spend half of that combined yeah nobody's doing that you know what i mean like so it's like with all the guns I like. I definitely don't want to see them take people's guns because I don't like that idea. That right. They, like I don't feel like you should be able to tell somebody that they can't defend themselves from people with guns. Right. I, you shouldn't be able to do that. But at the same time, it's like maybe you just need to figure out like, all right, these guns are acceptable because they have the they have less of a chance of inspiring some sort of uh, mass shooting. Yeah. Cause you got all these crazy people out here. It's not hard to get a gun. I mean, I think like stronger background checks, right? Stronger. Like if you're in some kind of psychological treatment, like some kind of mental treatment, like, are we really giving selling guns to somebody that's, I don't even know. Like it's so complicated and there's so many different layers to it where, you know, who draws, who gets, who gets to decide where the line's drawn. Right. Well, as Will said earlier, it's it's uncontrollable. Like yeah. even if we made those lines, made those guidelines of like limiting these things, we still have the black web. We have places <laughs> we can go. Like it's not hard to get guns. Like because it's uncontrollable. There's more guns in this country than people. That right. is insane. And that's what I'm saying. Like yes, we should have regulations. We should have things. But in the end, I feel like it's not going to really do much because. What are they going to do? Show up at every door in the country and try to seize everything? That would never. It would never work. Like like, that's what I'm saying. Like there's always going to be a way around it. And so, I feel like if you take away the guns or did do a law, all the people who respected the law, they're going to be like, oh yeah, here you go. Like we respect it. Yeah. And then people who don't respect the law are like, 
we now we know where to go because they don't have guns. And so, again, I think it's just uncontrollable. I think the government let it go too far. And that's a lot of things in this country. They just let it go too far. And now it's past a point where it's uncontrollable. <laughs> like, and then my, Well, yeah, and my other thing, too, is then, I don't know, there's so much corruption in the government. We're allowing them now to control the guns. And they're the ones making the laws and stuff. Like, I don't trust any of them. You know, I don't. We, we just had we had midterms and we had a 70 year old dead pimp get voted into government. That's what, uh, that, I heard something about that. 70 year old dead pimp got voted into government. <laughs> a dude in Texas is in jail. He got voted in. <laughs> Three congressmen were under uh, <laughs> under investigation for fraud and corruption. They got voted in. So now they're, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, my trust in the government is ne- like yeah, negative a hundred, if that's possible. So like, <laughs> if that's possible. So I just don't, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. And like to many of these things, I don't know what the answer is, but well, I know the one, how do we progress? I guess is the question. The one thing, well, especially with progression is like the people in charge, they're so corrupted, like you said and everything. But we have technology to wipe out all of the things that we know. Like, there's been over 5,000 patents just completely taken off the board by the government. We had, back in 96, I think it was, a car that could run on water easily. And then suddenly, the next day, the Pentagon showed up at the guy's house. We didn't ever hear about it again. He's probably dead. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. Is. Like, I feel what I personally believe is I believe that these people in government and stuff, they already feel like God. So why would you give up your power to make everybody equal when you are feeling like a God? Mm-hmm. And so when you're raised like that from birth and you just keep going and keep going, you're not going to give it up. And that's why I feel like the people themselves need to realize this and stand up and say, listen, we're not going to take any of this anymore. But that was part of the, that was part of the reason why. I started to like really like be more outspoken about what what can a religion do to a person's mind because mm-hmm. the thing that happens is is all right so we're living in this world and on our money it says it says in God we trust yep so then that becomes a matter of okay well who are you saying is God like and usually what you find throughout time is that God is really kind of like this construction that gets put into society to make the people fall in line better with the government. So they're saying, trust God, but really they're they're giving you this religion and actually it's making you believe in the government more so than actually what you think you're believing in. So then they're like, oh, well, well, then it turns into like, uh, you know, uh, well, God bless the USA and stuff like that. And it's like, what you're really trying to say is, is that this, what's going on here is God's work. So it's not questionable. It's not something that should, the people should question. And it's like, under that way of thinking, no wonder things are the way that they are because yeah. people are thinking that this, the, you know, how many people just completely have a, this, I think it's getting becoming less, but 
that's because of the internet that people don't trust the government anymore. Like they don't. I think people in general have some suspicion that the people in the government care nothing about them. And they should feel that way because, I mean, most of the people are kind of awake to that. I, think, I, I feel like more people every day are waking up to the idea that just because you live in a country doesn't mean that the government has to care about you. I think that's that's why you have the Donald Trump effect. I think it, I think you end up with a person that's not a politician, you know, if you believe in the voting in system, voting system, right? And yeah. whether you believe in that system or not, I think if you look at our country and I, and I look at enough comments, unfortunately, in the social media that I could see like a 60-40-ish split where it's like 60% of the country believes in Donald Trump, 40% doesn't believe in Donald Trump. Mm. That's just my personal opinion. And I think that when, and that's how, that's kind of how you end up with a, a 60% of a country voting, voting somebody for somebody like that, because you have somebody that's not a politician and like, they may look at it as like, he's not part of that group, even though he is, in my opinion, he's not part of that group and they think they're going to get something different. He's a businessman. He's a real estate agent. He's a reality TV star. Like, oh, this is. It's gonna be. He's talking a certain way, and in before the election, he's talking. He's talking about locking people up, and you know the government, like all the num, like talking about the uh, elections rigged and all these things, you know. And so, and like we talk about too, the the uh, going after the conspiracy people, right? Yeah. You know, he came brought brought up a lot of things that conspiracy people believe in, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's kind of what you end up with. And if you look like. Even the the media, that all the other governments places, they're scared of Trump. Like they're they're trying to get him out. Like even the other countries, they're they don't want him there. Like I I've talked to other people in other countries. They're like, what do you think about Trump? They're like, we don't want him there. Like it's just I don't, I don't agree with all the stuff he does. Yeah, I think that he messes up because he's human, just like all of us. And again, I think that he is in the government, so it is corrupt. But I do think that he does he's trying to make a change in some way and even though that some of the things that he does is the best of things mm-hmm. it's a change it's something different it's learning something new it's the balance of something we've had this whole side and we've been going this way and now that we're going to the other side some people love it and then others are like freaking out they're like no no, no we don't like it again you can't really tell what is going to happen in the end or what he's really believing or like because every single person has a different opinion on him. Yeah. Um, but I think that he's doing good in some areas and then in other areas he's being a little bit off and stuff like that. But that's just personal opinion. Like everyone has their own thing. On that. Yeah. So. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, I think. I have an issue with anybody who people start to think is going to save, like any singular person who people get this messiah complex about, and they think that they're going to be the person to save this situation. Mm -hmm. This situation is beyond individuals. Like individuals, you know, uh, like I said, I always say, 
Obama, that was the end of the illusion for me of the idea of somebody who was going to come into like uh, that, that position of power and change the world. Because I watched all kinds of people become very emotional over that and think that something was drastic was about to happen. And it was similar to the Trump thing because there was a different demographic of people who thought that this was the person to do the job. And what I'm afraid of is that we're going to continuously vote ourselves into a situation that can no longer be helped. If we aren't already there now, if, if, I mean, if we're just gonna be like, oh well, here who's the next guy, the next guy, the next guy, he's got it, he's got it. This is the next one. He's gonna be the best of all. And then four eight years goes by, the world is pretty much the same place. There's still this, like I said, the, the politics of the time. That's one thing, but until people. You know, we live on this planet with other people. We live. This isn't just about a nation of people. This is about a civilization of people who have created a world. A civilization of people who've chosen kind of to. I think the thing that kind of keeps this world together is the idea of scarcity. Like people, everybody feels like there's not enough stuff here for everybody. So then they're just like, well, we got to make this economic so that people who can get people who do all the, do the work can get the money and stuff. It's like, as long as we keep, I feel personally, as long as the world, it continues to want to, to have, want to have people who are impoverished and living with scarcity as a mentality, because that's really what it is. It's a mentality, the mentality of there's not enough here for everyone. So some of you guys are going to ha- have to go with nothing. As long as the world goes on like that, no matter what political situation you have in whatever country, it's not going to work because what's underneath it is a fundamental problem. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just going to continue. And, uh, just quickly, but, uh, I feel like that's why, like, but, like, the government is um, distracting because you say that, like, people are doing stuff and then lower cases, school shootings, all these things. We're, us as people, we're getting so worked up over the little things, but yet we're not even looking what's behind the scenes. For instance, we don't even know if the presidents are put in there by everybody in the power. We don't even know if we're technically voting. We th- we sh- they're telling us we are, but they've. I don't. But they've, I don't, <laughs> don't believe that. And that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like they tell us that we are. They tell us we're doing stuff, and then they create poverty. They create riches. They create the system where the people is constantly like, oh, there's a little problem over here. Oh, there's a little problem here. Oh, there's school shootings. Oh, there's this. Those are all huge problems. But yet, if we all came together as one, just like a team. We all came together as one, and it's not going to happen because it's very hard to create all these people to come as one. But if we all were open-minded and came as one, we could look at the real problem and possibly even end poverty, end all the people who are down here and the people up here, and we make them level. I believe that we have the ability, or the government has the ability, to create self-sustaining homes and stuff. We have the technology out of this world, and yet they're hiding it. 
they, yeah, the, but they have to. You have to, to. How do you control a mass of people? How do you control mm-hmm. 330 million people? Exactly. You control them. You control them by dividing them, mm-hmm. and that—that's what I think. In the end, that's what all, most of this is about. Is about mm-hmm. control and dividing the people because. I mean, like you're talking about religion. Where where does a, a certain kind of brainwashing or a certain kind of programming, as Mike would say, yeah. start? Well, you start before you're even getting to, getting to the point where you're in getting educated. Mm-hmm. You know, a certain mindset, a certain way of doing things, and then the educational system is is only continues that. You know, what are you really doing in school that's that beneficial? Mm-hmm. Really, in my opinion, you learn how to read and write and do basic math and basic science what else do you really need the the rest serves as detention i mean where where are you going to use algebra if you're not a math guy or a math person where are you going to use algebra again you're not going to use algebra for anything it's a place to put your children while you work yeah i mean it's (laughs) you know and so like it's like uh to see in in saudi arabia they killed this is a perfect example of all this kind of like to me the distraction stuff so the, the there's the reporter that got killed in Saudi Arabia, Kasagi. Okay, then they're like talking about Trump shouldn't talk to like sh- should be like cutting ties with Saudi Arabia because of this what he did this reporter. Meanwhile, in in Yemen, the country right beside Saudi Arabia, there's fifty thousand kids died last year from famine. Eighty eighty. Uh, 18 million people they think are going to die from famine over the next three years because of Saudi Arabia is stopping the aid for getting it. You know what weapons they're using to do that? The weapons we sold them. Mm-hmm. The, we- the, the, the military uh, technology we give them to do these things. You know, And these are the type of things that we're worried about. I, I'm sorry, I, sh- I shouldn't minimalize the the fact that somebody died but the Mm. fact is we're worried about a a reporter that may have been a a spy for somebody else that died and we're not talking about kids dying from famine Mm -hmm. that that hasn't been reported on the news i've never seen that on the news there was a statistic like a month ago i saw they reported stormy daniels 455 times on the news Mm -hmm. you know how many times they talk about you men Tony corrected me one time. One time. One time. 50,000 kids died from famine last year. Yeah. You know? And so, once again, we're talking about something, a reporter that died. It has been plastered all over the news. Everybody talks about it. We ain't talking about the the root of the problem. And we're supporting that. Mm-hmm. So, what really are we, to- what are we talking about? We're talking about a government just uses the news to promote whatever they want. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're CNN or Fox. They're all in the same there boat. There's no real free press, really. Right. Because it's like, they're all going to be talking about the same thing. They're going to talk about the same stuff. There's well, six companies that own, six companies that own every radio station, every TV station, every every media outlet, six co- corporations. And if you look at it, they even have legal documents on the government and on the internet. And you can see that they literally take People from the government and sticking right in the media. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? What's the 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 older guy with gray hair? Uh, I can never think of his name. He's like one of the main people. What, which one is he on? Uh, he might be on CNN. I can't think of what's I his name. Was older man that was. Um, oh. What's his name? Um, he was like in the Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper. That was one of them. He was the one. 
They talk about him all the time. Conspiracy people do. I shouldn't. I shouldn't what say. Do they, what do they say about him? What oh, that he was ex CIA, and that's what they did. They put him in the media so he can be co- part of the control, a way to control the media. You ever you know? see that video where they asked the dude in the trial? Like it was like in the. It looked like the seventies or the eighties, and they like asked him. They were like. They were like. They just asked him bluntly. They were like, "Have has there been people who like have been in the CIA who have been like kind of used in like inf- to infiltrate like the media?" And the guy, his answer was, he was like, "This is one of the things that I would prefer to talk to you in private counsel about." Like he says this publicly. Mm-hmm. So to everybody who's listening, it's absolutely clear that that's what's going on right. here. Mm-hmm. This, this, these intelli- the, the, our intelligence uh, community is such a conglomeration of like different like it's probably actually like influenced by all other in- intelligence agencies in the world it absolutely has that German aspect because of that operation paperclip situation yep. where they took all their scientists and CIA and, and well and information people. Yeah, they wanted all the technology. They, but but it wasn't. But more, I always used to look at the technology aspect because that's real. But the intelligence aspect, the the fact that they were getting like, uh, you know, uh, people in that uh, what was that the the secret police that they had over who there. the. The, the Gestapo, the yeah, they, they had Gestapo people and stuff like that. Their intelligence community, they took those people too, and those people oh, yeah. also began the beginnings of, you know, you know, things that became like CIA and the FBI and all those things. So they say uh, um, George Bush, well, you know, uh, Prescott Bush, who yeah. is the George's grandfather. George Bush Sr., grandfather or father? Prescott, Prescott was um, George, George Sr., I think that was his dad. Dad. And he said he was the one that funded that whole movement. Hey, he, he laundered, yeah, he laundered money from the Nazis. Yeah. He, like, he, he so, I mean, you know. And, and that was documented thing. If you, can, can you imagine somebody laundering money for, like, ISIS right now, and then, like, two, three generations later, that person became the president of the United States? I, I don't even <laughs> think it's been... Be insane. I think we're doing that yeah, right what? now. I think we're already paying ISIS. You, there's think, enough you, evidence there's that... There's enough evidence that, for you to say that you think I think that, that they're already... We're, we're... They're just, like, they're uh, mercenaries creating chaos. It's like, it's like go go blow. Think about up. think we'll about come. I believe that, that the 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 pot we are in part of the greatest pot scheme ever. The the military budget, the money they spend on military. We have I've listened to enough people talk about the our military. Our weaponry is for the amount of money we spend is is so so much in far inferior to like Russia. Like they have technology and they spend a, such a small fraction of what we pay on military. They spend and our, our plane, our airplanes and warships and all that stuff is so much far inferior to them. So like if you just want to create and how many of the people that are in Congress are own stock in like the like Lockheed Martin and all the military companies that build all these 
build all these things for us. They're not stupid people, so they have to. So they just they churn. It just, hey, raise the military budget. I need a new boat. You know, it's like yeah. what it's we raise the military budget and then we come up with these reasons to go to war with these people so we can sell more missiles and create more missiles. And it's just a constant. It's just a circle of life to them. They don't care about the people that are going out, going off to die. Their kids aren't going to war. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine if they had to send their kids to war. How many wars do you think we have? Yeah. None. It just wouldn't happen. If they had to go to war, they, they, they wouldn't. There would be no wars. And that's that's why I think that it's just it's another thing. Just going back to the blinding of people. We, we just yeah. go and we, we say automatically, oh, this person's right because they're up there. Or this person's right because of this. Or this person's right because they have this job or something like that. I really struggle with that because not everybody's right. Like, there's there's so many people who are so corrupted. Like, that, but they can put on a scheme that they're good. Right. And so going into things, I just think that it's all distractions oh. people like they're setting up little areas so that we look over here meanwhile problems over here so yeah, i think i think trump is the greatest distraction they've ever pulled in the history of distractions if it's you think the... if you think about it who who you think would have been more dis- divisive hillary clinton or donald trump think about it now with the perspective you have now and the division that's in this country right now mm-hmm. i think is by far uh, donald trump mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that they said, you know what, now this is, you know, once again, I don't vote and I believe it's just selected. I think they looked at themselves and said, you know what, we can create a whole lot more division and arguing if we put him, they put him and the, in office because they monitor what we discuss, <laughs> obviously a little conspiratorial, mm-hmm. and we put him in office Imagine the chaos. Look at the chaos we got. Think about all the people that have had underlying racism. They they d- didn't have enough guts or confidence to, to do the things they do now. I don't see how many videos I got to see of somebody questioning somebody of, of color going into a building that they lived there for five years. I mean, it, it happens. It seems like I see that every day. I remember that, Char- that Charleston thing was kind of like... That was more or less one of those watershed moments where you, you say, well, may, I don't know, maybe things like that were going on maybe. before, but it seemed like now this was a thing to watch, which in itself could be distraction. Yeah. Because, I mean, that is, that that if you're trying to, the, there seems to be a lot, I think the people of the world they're starting to see through a lot of this bullshit and they're just like, there's no reason why we should be living like this. Mm -mm. And then what happens is is then the governments of the world, in order to maintain the paradigm and the power structure, they almost have like, it's like you say, it's like people kind of like, they'll look at you weird. If you say, Hey, maybe they set up a shooting or something like that. But do you really think that's beyond these people? Do you really think that they wouldn't do something like that? This is the you're dealing with the same people that who who's who, who their forerunners decided to drop atomic weapons on people. Like I mean, like they don't care. Like they don't. They're gonna do whatever is needed in order to maintain what's going on. They want the status quo. They want it to stay this way. 
that's why I've always said to me, it just feels like somebody's trying to postpone the future. Mm -hmm. Somebody's just making it be like, no, you guys have to stay in this because this is controlled. What scares me is like the distractions seem to be getting bigger, Mm -hmm. more extravagant, like more like we literally like to me, like I said, I believe Donald Trump's like the biggest. So we put a person that we felt like they felt like is going to be a bigger distraction. Like, you know what I mean? Like I heard a dude say it's just like, and that scares me though, because now if the, if, if that doesn't work, where do they go? I saw a guy on Twitter the other day and he, he said, he said, he said, Donald Trump is the flavor flavor of white people. <laughs> he said, he's like, he's this dude who just will say the most outlandish thing. Get and and but you can't look away because it's kind of like you're 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 in amazement that it's happening you're just like oh wow he's really saying this and he's on this huge stage and stuff and you're like well somebody's actually saying this stuff like that somebody is actually they think it's acceptable they think that they, they can be this way and, That's uh, what I'm saying. That underline, you know, it's, that it's giving really people confidence to do that. Like and, it feels like that way. It, and you can't help but to ask: Is is, is that some sort of a social engineering? Is that some sort of a thing, a message to people to um, fall into their lower thoughts? You know, to give in to the division, mm-hmm. give in to these ideas of um, you know racism and things like that. A lot of these things can be uh, fixed through education, Absolutely. but they can't. But they don't ever address. Like nobody ever addresses race, race, really racism and race in high school. Like they don't really get into why it doesn't make sense. Nobody really under, like they don't get into the idea that like everybody has the like, same ancestors and stuff. Like yeah. They just, they're going to go tell you how to play badminton. That's what your time should be spent trying to figure out how to hit that little flower or whatever (laughs) with with a racket over the idea of, hey, let's attack the divisions in society. You know, them trying to talk about Martin Luther King for two days or whatever, and that that doesn't fix it. That doesn't. Yeah. People have to understand that situation. There's things to learn. You have to be educated as to why it doesn't make sense. I I think I think you're right, and I think that's where the the educational like I think about uh, like Muslims, the religion of like Muslims and stuff. I never learned anything in school. So you only nothing. If if you never like, if you never sought sought out to learn more about that, the only thing you would know is what the news told you. Yeah, you know I mean that was exactly how I went to a class, learned about Islam, and thought I should become a Muslim because I knew nothing about it. Right. But I didn't even like learn any of that stuff. Like I didn't learn anything in no, in school. I had to go to college to, to right. learn that. I had to actually go take a class about religion in order to learn that. It's not happening at all in high school. They're so now that. these people are watching news and they're they're learning what they think is the perception of of a Muslim. You know what I mean? Like, and that's their perception. Now that's all they can they know. Like there's no, and they're not seeking out more knowledge to know anything different. Most people don't have enough time to seek out more. Knowledge. That's that's true. Well, 
Well, again, it goes back to uh, like them just dumbing down. Like we yep. have so many video games and stuff like that. Stuff that we get so comfortable. Like for instance, like going throughout high school, we don't learn anything. Like we don't learn how to live life. We don't learn how to make money. We learn stuff that's not going to even help us. But yet that dumbs us down. So now we don't know everything that we need to know to help ourselves. So now the government is winning. So we're sitting inside playing video games. We're sitting inside not knowing all the stuff, all the things that are actually going on in life. And they're sitting in power knowing everything. And so that's what I'm saying. If they, especially in high school, they need to explain stuff like that. They need to explain why this stuff's happening, why these things are happening, so we can actually make a change, really. Like, as a people, uh, no one man is going to do it. Trump's not going to do it. No. Congress isn't going to do it. No, they don't it's, care. It's going to be the people yeah. who's going to be the change. It, it, if we it's ever to do me, it. more than ever, it's it's our children. Mm-hmm. We, have to ra- we have to raise kins- kings and queens, not pawns. At this point, that that's where that's where it changes. We have to. I don't know how we do. You know, I mean, I do the best I can, but you. We have to at least make them aware of, and give them that that different perspective. I don't know. I guess and help them understand that just because you learn you learned whatever. Like I don't know. I got a fifteen year old that's in that's in you know she's in 10th grade and it's just useless it's just absolutely useless she's learning how to take tests so the so the school can now get funded right that's all she's doing now i don't i i sign her out so she can't take what's i you took that test what's that called uh the ps psat yeah whatever it is i don't even know but like i sign her out she's not part of that so now she sits in a in the library for like two weeks while they take that test, and they're fun. So the school gets funded based off how the results are from all the students. People just need to listen. Just don't everybody sign their kids out of it, and then it ends. Common Core ends. How long? How long did you get homeschooled for? My entire life. Yeah, oh, so for the entire okay. thing. Yeah, because that was. Uh, I'm mean, sorry, I didn't know that. No, no, no. But it's, I, it's, I still had to take it's, that it's test. It's a good though. point. Oh, okay. Though, because that's why I thought about it. I was wondering if you still took that test, even though you weren't in a school. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it probably has because, to do with the district. That's my guess. Yeah. Because uh, there's there still must have been a reason why because everybody knows that it's about funding. Yeah. So it's like. Well, it's not, even about the funding, like taking the test, like going through high school, uh, like my entire life homeschooled. Mm-hmm. My parents teach me not just how to solve math, not just how to do it. They taught me how to try to live life, how to actually see life in a different way, how to see a balance, how to actually be open minded and learn. Um, so things I, are starting to make sense to me because I was not expecting your like the way you're kind of like describing things mm-hmm. and talking about life in general is is starting to come all yeah, yeah. It makes more sense makes more that. sense yeah. but yes but when I went and took that PSAT I was literally doing it I came home and I was like mom why did I need to answer any of those how does that help me in the future like I learned not one thing and I, like even if I studied that during school how's that gonna help me. How is knowing if Fred got six donuts instead of three going to help me in the future? Now, if we set like the reason behind it, now we're learning it's a whole different thing. That's why I, uh, I was very appreciative of being homeschooled. And people always laugh at me like, oh, you're homeschooled and stuff. I learned more about life my entire life than a lot of these high school kids. And a lot of demoralizing it. It's not their fault. They don't understand. No. 
It's the people in the government. It's people dumbing them down. And so I don't blame them. I see yeah. that it's coming from their perspective. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I understand that. But let's look at the reason why behind it. Let's well, look at it's always the root of the problem. Exactly. We, we need to always look at the root of the problem. And that's where we, that's what we don't learn. Like, I don't understand, like, why we don't learn any financial information in school yeah, right how to like, like the simplest idiot some like the simplest budgeting <laughs> like, like like how do you not like how the financial system works it's still corrupt but i, I mean no uh, understanding of what was gonna really happen me either I started paying bills mm-hmm. and all that stuff like it was like it's a different world like i remember the other day i was having this thought and i was thinking like if they would have like told you as a kid, what it was going to be like as an adult, you'd just be like, you, you, there'd be a lot of people just that gave up before. Mm-hmm. Like, they'd just be like, like, I don't know, I feel like childhood and teenage years and things like that, they just, they, they exist in our society to pacify a person long enough to become of legal age to become a part of the daily grind of and it's like my number one of well not I don't know if it's my number one goal, but it is one of my highest goals is to remove myself from that because I actually do think that it has a result like I think it has um, an effect on your life, like how long you live, the quality of life. Absolutely. You live, the you know I I I, I admire people who. Um, who are trying to figure find that financial freedom. That's why I've always thought that it's really cool that you've, you know, made your different ventures into trying to become more financially uh, independent, you know, but there's some people who, when I say stuff like that, they just look at me like, like, no, this is the way that it is. Everybody just works until they die. And it's just like, that's sad, man. <laughs> it's, it's such a sad, like it's a such it's a sad outlook for your life. Like what I tend to believe that I will at some point in time be in a place where I can put my knowledge and wisdom together with a circumstance to pull myself out of that. But there's still people, all kinds of people, definitely like people in uh, my family and stuff like that. They'll be like. They're just like, well, this is this is the way it is, and this is how it always will be. Uh, and some... in my life, that's never true. All people just tell me these these kinds of things, and then I find out it's a lie. See that statement, like that. This is how it is. Like I've never accepted that statement. I just don't. I, ex- I, just don't I, get, I, I don't, don't I accept, accept that, that as that. as a a real like. That's a. It's almost. I don't want to be mean, but it's like a statement of somebody that's just given up. Kind of, yeah. It's you know, like of somebody who's just like, all right, I've done the best that I've, I'm going to do in life. I had a conversation with my dad the other day, and it was just, it was upsetting because it was like, he, it was, you know, I was telling him, you know, they live in a really big house. You know, they live in, you know, they, we moved there when I was like 13. Mm-hmm. And that was only because of a lawsuit. And it wasn't like, you know, they didn't have a bunch of, my parents didn't have a bunch of money before that and stuff, but we moved there and like now they're still living there. And like the only person that's living there besides them is my brother. And 
I saw I told my dad the other day, I was like, you guys should really think about downsizing this place. Like, you know, because now my my dad works two jobs now. And he has like this. Isn't he retired? No. I thought he was retired. Well, yeah, but he's like. I think that they just. I think that their lack of financial knowledge led them to a place where they. Where, you know, they're, 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 he's working. Like, he gets a pension and stuff like that. Okay. But because of this, you know, this place and they're still like trying to pay it off and yeah. all kind of pay this house off and stuff. But he's like, it's, I'm like, I just told him, it's like, you could downsize and then you wouldn't like, I see how bad he hates yeah. to work at that age. Yeah. And I'm just like, you, you don't have to do this. Like you can find other ways, like. My, like, there's other things you can do besides going to some job that's stealing your soul in the <laughs> twilight of your life. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, like that's not, you know what I mean. Like you don't have to do that. And I just wanted to let him know. I was like, "Yo, you've, you've earned that. Right. You've earned the right to make your life more comfortable." But then there was all these reasons for why they didn't want to. They like the size and they like that my kids can run around there. And, all this stuff. I said, all right, well, all that's well and fine, but what, you know, uh, it was sad to hear him say that, like, he just doesn't, like, it let me know a lot about, there comes a day when you start to realize your parents are just people. You understand? Like, they're just people who, you know, have their own weaknesses and have their own downfalls and things like that. And I, you know, and I, it was weird because I, I felt like I was sitting with my dad acting almost in that moment as some sort of like older influence to him you're like the like parent I was talking to the kid in him you know what i mean like there's you know i i had to be the man and, and you had to be the parent i had to i had, to, I had to, and then you know not to say that you know for most of my life it's been the other way around yeah. you know <laughs> but in that moment, like, I just felt like, you know, I'm, for anybody who doubts themselves, like, I'm always trying to get people to understand what I see in people, because I have a tendency to see things in people that they don't see in themselves, so I'm always having to, I just want to remind you that, listen, you, I see powerful people, I see powerful people all the time, but it's almost kind of like, they're they're always Clark Kent, like they, like they they it's like they forgot that they were Superman. At Just some haven't point figured out how to become Superman. Maybe. Well, I've seen them become Superman at times. Yeah. But usually they stay as Clark Kent because Clark Kent is safe and normal, and 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 and, and, and you know Superman. That's dangerous. It's dangerous to be Superman. You got to deal with dangerous stuff. But you know, every time I see what you know, when I saw that last Superman movie, that showed it right there how most people feel about themselves. You feel like you don't belong. You feel like you're not powerful and all this stuff. Superman didn't feel like he was powerful when he was a kid. He was like a sick kid, and he couldn't even breathe right and stuff. And let you know, years later, he found out, oh, it's because I'm from a different planet, and I, you know, I do things outside of the norm. But that's that's everybody though. Everybody just needs to. I just want I want for people. If there's one thing I want people to be educated about, 
is that be educated in your power. Be educated in the fact that you have the ability to make real change in the world. It, you know, that's, you know, if you don't have that power, then that's when you become kind of like the walking dead. Like you just, you're alive, but you're just alive kind of just in zombie mode. Yeah, but even the walking dead, the herd has a lot of power. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's, well, that's what that's we don't true. realize. Be the walking dead, the herd does have that's what we, power. that's what they don't realize. <laughs> There's 330 million of us. And imagine, imagine the power of the unity of that. I'm telling you, we need the People Day or People Law instead of Martial Law. I want the People Law. I want everybody to quit their job. Yeah, there's, yeah, this is. This I have a, quit their job and apply. Everybody apply for welfare all in one day. <laughs> kill the system everybody just says there's no taxes coming in there's no more military funding coming in there's no more nothing now it's all on them we just all sit at home what are they gonna come do gonna take all our houses (laughs) they're gonna take all our houses ain't gonna take all our cars (laughs) ain't gonna happen because the tow guy the repossession guy he said f you i'm gonna stay in the home too the freaking repossession guy that comes to take the house he said f you i'm staying at home too what are they gonna do i'm sure that's happened somewhere well, you see that in Germany, they uh, tried to, I don't know when this happened, but they tried to rate the, uh, raise the gas prices to like some astronomical amount. And what the, the Germans did, they all just got out of their cars one day and walked home and just left their cars there and said, we're not, <laughs> we're not driving anymore. That takes and you know what happened? They didn't, they didn't raise the gas price. That's crazy. So when you, when we talk about division, you know why it's divided. Because that's a scary thought. 330 million people knocking on the White House's door. That is. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, we, we all have the power to do it. We, Absolutely. We, we have the advantage. But they're winning right now. They have the upper hand because they've put us so, in such... They've put, divided us, like you said, so much. they divided us in school and racism and everything. Like, people blew up. Like, I've had people come to me and be like... I hang out with people in Philly more than I hang out with people in Ephrata. And they come to me like, why would you do that? And I'm like, well, why are you even asking that? Like, what's the difference? They're actually more real down here, and they actually understand life at a real level, and they're not stuck up their ass. And just sitting there and being like, oh, I'm like, I'm like pretty little person or anything like that. They actually understand life, and that's what I'm saying. Like, we all got to find that balance. And once we do... 65 million with people. Well, people That's deadly. People don't understand. If there was an apocalypse today, mm-hmm. who do you think is going to survive? The people fighting every day already, living in poverty, mm-hmm. or the people living over here that have everything they need? The people yeah. that live in poverty every day that are already fighting for their life, mm-hmm. they're going to run shit. Mm-hmm. And then, so people better realize, like, I mean, they, I get told all the time, I mow lawn in, in Baltimore. People go, Baltimore? Why? What? What are, you do- what are you doing in both? Why would you? Why would you go there? Yeah. Aren't you afraid? No, aren't I, you afraid of what's going right. to happen to you? And I gotta and be you honest, you don't understand what's. You just don't go there, and that's why you don't understand. Yeah, like, I've had more honest conversations with people there. I had people. I was cleaning out a house there, and people just the one dude. I'm like trying to lift shit on top of my truck. Dude just comes over, start starts helping me lift it up. You know, like. No, doesn't ask for anything, not, nothing. Just came, did it. You know, I'm a white dude, you know, like, it didn't matter. He didn't care, you know, but 
that's I don't so like I go there I don't I care less but for some reason you know people think that you know they just assume the worst you know and they they need to like get out of their house and like go go places or something I don't know I don't, it, I know when I when I first like started like going into Norristown like like when I was first started going into Norristown with Nell that became a very like a very uh, addictive thing to me like I was just I was there all the time and it was because I was in a strange place and I still felt a bigger sense of community I still felt like I was in a place I felt I would feel more comfortable walking around there amongst people who might have guns who might have you know, might be drug dealers and stuff like that. I would feel more at home around those people than any of my experiences my for for the time I've lived in Africa. Yeah, I've lived in Africa since I was three. Well, I guess I don't technically live there now. I live in Akron, but it's the but same it, thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. You know, it's the same situation. This is all like one big town around yeah. here. And it's like, I've, I've never really felt a sense of community. Like, where I grew up, like, I I didn't have conversations with the people who were next door to my parents' house and stuff like that. Like, I didn't know those. Like, they, they live, they didn't need each other. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing about impoverishment. In impoverishment, those people need each other to survive. But when you have people who live in these big houses, they don't need anyone. Yeah. They don't need sugar. They're not going next door for sugar. They're going to go to the store, rack gonna- up a $200 bill. <laughs> they'll, they'll grab sugar and everything else in, on the list and then go home. Not to demean them or anything, but that's just the reality. That's kind of what I feel like the Bible was trying to say when they said the meek shall inherit the earth. Because on some level, whoever wrote that knew... That if the shit hit the fan, it would be the people who were in the lowest parts of society who would survive. You know, it wouldn't be the people who were in palaces. You know, that's not how it works. No. Those, you know, when you look at the people, people living in like India or anything like that, you know, living in really destitute situations. You know, we see poverty here, but like even our poverty here is like kind of nice. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, because there's some places where it's like they live on dirt floors, you know what I mean? Like they don't, like they don't have no bathroom, nothing. They got ten people living in a hut. Like that's that's a whole different level of it. There's a whole different level of it. But I've always enjoyed being around people who they would say, "Oh well, don't be around impoverished people." Don't be around, don't, because then you, it's almost kind of like a disease. Like they don't want to catch it. They don't want to catch poverty or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, nah, I, I go around those people because they can tell me things that you can't. <laughs> you can't teach me. I I learned from from impoverished people how to be broke and survive and be like and and, and continue. You know, even though. That's why. That's why now you know when stuff happens, there's some bills going on, and I'm looking at stuff, and it's tight and stuff. My wife, she might be freaking out, but I know I never freak out. 
because I know that there's millions, possibly billions of people in this world who live way worse than me on any day. So me not having me 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 being short in funds is really a minor. It's like it's like we talking about what high school. It's like a high school problem. It's like it's, it's like it's not really even a a real situ. It's not even as deep as it seems. It's just it's just that you you know you're it's not ideal. But no no no, life's not ideal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're uh, pretty lucky when it comes to the in this country for sure. When it I mean. I don't know. I I just see like uh, countries like Venezuela. You know, they're eating the zoo animals to survive, and like, wow. I'm just like, I don't even know. Like, what? How does that even happen? Like, I don't even understand it. Like, I mean, we're like blowing up countries, but we can't like take our time out and stop and say, hey, maybe we could come down and help you. You know, I know you're eating the 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 lion that was over caged up in the zoo over there maybe we could you know if we were really <laughs> if we were the the leaders of the free world the light of the world right yeah. we would say this is bullshit how can we help not the government how can we help the people that are there what can we do not put sanctions on them which is that's what we did we put sanctions on venezuela which is part of the reason why they are in that disaster i mean the other and part of the other reason is the guy that runs it is uh, I don't know what's going on there, but he's he's crazy. But they all seem crazy. Yeah, but like you would think, the leader of the free world would be caring about the people that live in that country. But I mean, we're too busy dropping bombs on people in the Middle East that have nothing to do with anything. I guess. I mean, Obama dropped. I don't know what the statistics are on Trump, but Obama dropped 72 bombs a day his last year of presidency in the Middle East. Not yeah. like one, not two, 72 a day. Well, 72 bombs, that'll inspire change you can believe in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, death. Yeah. Death. That's change that, you if, can believe in. How many in. bombs create, how many hatred for this country? And then people are worried about some some immigrants coming across a, a border you know what? They should be worried about the people that we're blowing up and the families that we're destroying because those are going to create real people that are going to want to hurt us. That's going to have nothing to do with anybody crossing the border trying to leave some place that we put sanction on that created poverty that they're trying to escape. And they're trying, heaven forbid, this country ever have problems and we want to leave. I mean, we're already immigrants to begin with, to start with. And then if we, if there was some kind of disaster here and we wanted to leave and go somewhere else, Imagine Mexico. Yeah, we're like, trying no, to. No, nope. no, no. Sorry, you won't come. This you you way. can't no. come. No, we're built. We built a wall, so you got. You guys can't come over now. You guys got to stay over there. Like I mean, the fact that we when the other thing we manipulate the silver. Mexico is the biggest producer of a silver. So you want to help? You want to help South America? Start stop manipulating the price of silver. Right there, you could create. I don't know how much wealth for all those countries. And you probably wouldn't go to the right place, but it'd be a start in the right direction and stop putting sanctions on places. They put sanctions on China for buying jets from Russia. That makes sense. I mean, heaven forbid somebody buy a jet from somebody other than America. That's, that's, that's no good. I mean, it's just stupidity and, but we're the, the glowing free world leader, I guess. And 
that's it comes to a point where I was even talking to my mom about this earlier. Um, we get so caught up in ourselves like we don't even look at the other countries we say my life is crap my life is this i'm having so many troubles um i had a family member die or something anything yeah we have we're living under a roof we have shoes on our feet we have clothes we have food every day (coughs) and we can't even go just look at the other countries who have families starving to death like can you imagine just starving to death in the hot sun, nowhere to sleep, nowhere to go? And that's where the biggest problem in this country, I believe, is is we, we get so caught up in ourselves. And it's just human nature because that's how we go back to ourselves. And so I, I even get caught up in that sometimes. And it, it takes a lot of humility and just stepping out of it and looking at the rest of the country and being like, wow, my problems are nothing compared to a family over there. Or anything like that, but yet we're so quick to judge and be like, "Oh, I can't even do that today. I'm, I'm. It doesn't fit my agenda." And so that's the thing. Like this country, I feel like will never change. It will always keep going to this course and tell the people stand up until they make a change. But there's so many of us, and we're so divided. To get that back to one, it is our children. It is teaching our children. But the problem is, is now since we're so divided. Each parent is teaching their children different. They're teaching what they believe and to keep them instead of actually explaining what is really going to help the future and help. You know. They're teaching them what, what to what, learn instead yeah. of how to learn. Yeah. yeah, when I say teach, I say like open mind. Like mm-hmm. I tell my kids, like I'm, I'm not telling them what to do. I'm mm-hmm. telling them to think differently. Mm-hmm. To think whatever you end up coming up with, at least – uh, assess both sides or assess whatever, you know, there's different ways of thinking. There's mm-hmm. not just, you know, if you ask any of my kids, I'm sure they would tell you that partly I'm crazy because of all the <laughs> stuff I told them over the years, but mm-hmm. partly it's also made them think differently. Mm-hmm. I most, all my kids don't think I would, uh, at least I feel like don't think like probably most of their classmates or mostly like people that graduated from high school just because of the way I've thought over the years and like, and I, even before I realized, like I thought differently than most people, like I still thought about things and it, it, maybe just to myself, you know, and like thought, why were these things this way? You know? And I expressed them to, unfortunately I just expressed them to my family as opposed to now I express mm-hmm. it to everybody, yeah. you know? So yeah. they were put through that, but they're, I think I feel like they're better for it, you know, yeah, but maybe I just I want to make them, you know, I always tell people, my kids are like, they're like my message to the future. Like they're, they, they uh, embody what I'm trying to get across. And, you know, because at the end of the day, you have to realize that, you know, it's going to be a day where you're not going to be here in the physical and all you have to leave is kind of that which you've inspired in other people. You know, that's why I make music and that's why, you know, I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's so, it, that's become such a part of my life that that's become like, even when I play basketball, I feel like that. Like I do, sometimes I do crazy stuff just to show people that crazy stuff is possible. Just to show you that unlikely things happen. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I mean, certain, you know, Certain layups that I do, like, I'll, it's never really to just, uh, 
show off or anything. It's more or less to inspire. I'm just trying to inspire things. I'm trying to inspire the change in the world to make the world become what I feel people want it to be. And it may sound crazy that you could try to do that in a basketball game or that you try to do it with your art or your literature or things like that. But, I mean, I just don't know how else really to enact that kind of change. Like, I revolu- people talk about revolution as if it's something that is a purely physical thing. But all revolution begins in the mind. It, it all begins with a thought that changes the way, your direction and how you uh, think of the world and what you want out of it. So I try to work on mental revolutions. You know, that's why I make music that gets kind of political. And it's, you know, really, I just want to, like, get into what it is to be a human because right now we kind of live in a situation where you're they're kind of trying to phase out the fact that you are a uniquely different person. Like you're, they, they want everybody to be the same way and that can never be. That's because we, we want to be, I told you this before, Rob, that there's, uh, there's forces that seem to want us to be like computers. They want us to work fast and efficiently and to have little as little downtime as possible and to move extremely fast and they want us to be these things and we're not those things you know we we, it's just not what we are you know we're not clock well we're not clockwork like that you know we 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 go through things we we become broken by things we you know we i say it all the time we have all this unchecked trauma we're all going through trauma after trauma after trauma and the world doesn't have time for us to heal those traumas yeah and that's you know i've never confused that that uh, you know maybe when i was a kid i'd be like oh well i'm going through all these things nobody else is but when you get older you start to realize that this is everybody everybody is going through this so you know, like I said, I just I'm just trying to do what I can to inspire that change. In the world. And usually, the people acting like they're going through the least amount of trauma, in whatever way they're yeah. trying, are going through the most. Yeah, yeah. When you go through so much trauma that you can't even speak on it, that you can't even acknowledge and things like that, like that's when you know when when we're all going through. We all try not to let on how traumatized we are by life. We all just, we all, it, it's, it's, it's formed in our, I, I, I heard somebody call it the, your representative. You know, when you go and you meet somebody, there's a part of you, but there's also this other part that you've learned to construct, which is your representative, the person who is socially acceptable. And you put that person out there, and then there's oh, oh, hello, because <laughs> there's like those three those basic comment or uh, questions that everybody always kind of asks when you first meet people, right? Yeah, you well, know, like well, what do you do? What do you do? What What I mean, do you do I for hate that work? Question, because that never did that. Because then that's going to lead to well, what do you do? Well, how much do you make? It, and ultimately, it's a question of 
do you make enough money to be friends with me? <laughs> like, well, they, like they don't even ask how much you make because they just ask you what you do, and they already have a, in their mind yeah. a, pre- a perception of what that job makes, yeah. you know? Well, well, the real question they should be asking, and I saw this the other day, and it kind of astonished me, is instead of what do you do or how much you make, so are you happy? Like, are you living like what you want to do? Like, people, people go from nine to five jobs until they're 60 and then you just retire and just sit on the couch and do nothing. Like, are you truly happy? Do you, are you living? I don't think people want to ask that question though, because then it, it, then they have to have a conversation that they probably aren't willing to have. Mm -hmm. You know, it's easier to ask what you do because that's kind of an open and shut case. You know, you know, you can have a two minute conversation with somebody and move on. You've Mm -hmm. you've learned what you, what they do. You can kind of put them in an economical class, you know, and and a couple other questions and you can, okay. But if you ask how are they happy, then that can open up a whole can of worms that somebody probably doesn't even, most people don't even want to be involved in. They don't want that person. They don't, they're too far removed from their own emotions to even want to get in a conversation like that. Mm -hmm. Cause it's, it's icky to them. Oh, how dare you try to get into my emotions and see how I am as a person. Like that's, that's the one thing. If there's anything I'm against, I'm against that force in the world that tries to put that out there that we are to, supposed to be unpersonal, uncaring, unfeeling things that pretty much are these robots walking around. Mm-hmm. I don't... That's not... Uh, there's nothing that I've ever seen to suggest that that's how people are. People are deeply emotional. People are deeply... Um, uh, they think about things, you know. Uh, they feel everything. You feel it all, and then you kind of grow up in this place that try to te- it, it teaches you to to disregard your feelings and your emotions, and then you know you end up you snap and you or you know you start taking some sort of medication, you snap, and then you end up on the news because you shot some place up. And it's like, well, what the people want to ask them, well, what happened? You see that one guy who shot up, I forget what it was. He shot up that bar. I think it was in California. Okay. You see the stuff that he He was a soldier. Yeah, I think he he was a soldier, right? Yeah. But did you see the stuff? Because he was like, he was like on Instagram or something while he was doing it. And he said stuff like, he's like, I wonder, he's like, he said something like, People are gonna wonder why I do why I did this. I saw that. I didn't know like, he was doing it. Why was why was doing it? Like they don't, they're gonna they're like they're gonna wonder why this happened. Why these things continue to happen? And he said all that they're gonna do is talk about how the people who got injured or that they're in their thoughts and prayers. He said that's all that's gonna happen. There's not ever gonna, so now it's almost a situation where <laughs> people are like. Sh- that dude, technically, he shot that place up kind of like almost as like, you know, some sort of, in an attempt almost maybe in some way to make things like that stop, which is completely nuts. Yeah, right. But at the same time, that's where this is. Well, I told somebody yesterday, man, we're all a bunch of crazy people. We have no choice but to be crazy. Yeah. We live in a crazy society. Yep. We're all crazy, but there's some of us that 
that are a little bit extra. There's right. That you might take a, one of them prescriptions that. Did you, you see, did you see one of the victims was uh, a, a was dude that who survived the, the other L- Las Vegas shooting? He survived. You think that's a coincidence? Vegas shooting. I don't know. I don't know. That, I don't that, know. That's not my conspiracy mind. It jumped when I heard that. I was like, oh wait a second. That sounds. It seems wild. a little strange to me. Yeah, yeah. But you know, but then the other mind is like, that's the reality. Like I saw, they said a third. There was a thirteen-year-old girl, I think, in Chicago. She had just got done writing some essay or something about how she is afraid of gun violence. And uh-huh. I, guess, I think she won some, some award maybe or something like that. Yeah. She just got done writing that and then she got shot. She died? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, she had just got done writing about how gun violence was affecting her life and then she died. So that's that's the reality of it. Like, you know, it's, it's not everywhere, but... Well, you know, if people think that it's going to stay like that, all of that violence is just going to just stay concentrated in those places. You've completely not understood. And, and this is what tells me that the presidency is bullshit because Barack Obama and Michelle Obama came from Chicago and they were president of the United States. They are no longer president of the United States. They have nothing to do. They could go into, they hear a story like that. They should go into Chicago right now and say, what the F is going on? What is what's going on here? But they don't care. I don't. I don't really think that they do. So because if you were, if you cared it, and you had and you were supposedly the most powerful person in the free exactly, world, and you cared, you don't think you would shut that down. You don't think that you would figure out what you needed to do to make that in where you live at, where your family is from, where you know. Yeah, hey, that's why I just I can't I don't I I can't believe in it. You can't it, use your power. Like you said, the most powerful person in the world to stop Chicago, but gun violence. But what are expecting you to do all these other things, and and you're gonna do them with you know the best of your power? Come on now, and fall behind that and believe in that? That's just madness. I can't even take the fact that I, that the 13 year old kid died. Yeah, man, just, that was it was it a rough. Me. That was a rough just, thing to read. And nobody talks about that. Sh- nobody talks about that stuff. No. Like they're worried about people crossing an imaginary line and and caught, supposedly costing them all this tax money. They don't worry about the fact that corporate welfare costs them a hundred times more than any immigrant crossing this imaginary line. The military budget that just gets wasted. They don't care. But they're worried about immigrants coming in this country, costing them money. What? Why Why are we... And, like, being vile about it, being disgusting in the way they talk about it. Immig- it pisses me off so but, bad. But the immigration thing, like, that always ha- that's always going to be a thing because it's secretly... It secretly is a reflection of the Americans understanding that actually this is all just some sort. This is, like I said, this is an acquisition of land through genocide. And this is the, a, this is technically a continuing <laughs> criminal type enterprise that started in bloodshed. And then we wonder why there's still warlike. Cause they've all, cause the beginnings of this has always been more like, this place was acquired in blood, and, and we most continue likely it. will end in blood. That's just the way of things. Two hundred twenty-two years out of two hundred thirty-nine years, we've been in war. Well, yeah, you said two hundred twenty, right? Two hundred twenty-two years. I was trying years. to think of that statistic the other day. Two hundred twenty-two years out of two hundred thirty-nine years of it's existence. Years of peace. So, 
out of all the time, 17 years apiece, out of all the time that this country's existed, only in the span of time that Mike has been alive has this country not been at war. Out of 239 years. So when were you born? You were year 19, so you were born in, in 99. All right. Well, I have kids that are, are, are young or older than the, or younger than the war in Afghanistan. So my 15 year old actually went into Afghanistan when the year she was born. And, and we're, we're still, still there. there. We just dropped the mother of all bombs there last year. Nobody talk about that. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, dropped a, it's just dusted off a bomb that's been sitting somewhere for like 20 years and just dropped it in the middle of Afghanistan. No reason given. Just, hey, we're going to do it and just move on to the next thing. Move on to the next bomb we're going to drop. Probably had to had to spend it be, or uh, use it so they could buy another one. Some overpriced bomb from somebody that we give corporate welfare. Lockheed Martin, the people that do that make the airplane, the uh, warplanes that we, they get corporate welfare. So not only are we paying our tax money goes to buy the airplanes, but they also get tax free. Amazon. So Amazon, right? They just, they just decided where they're going to put their headquarters. Well, that was nice of them. Guess how much money we're giving them to put their headquarters in New York and West Virginia. Not, not where they're paying in taxes. We have to pay them to come to these places. Hmm. Guess how much? I don't even know. $3 billion. $3 billion. $3 billion for a company that wants to have do business in America. We're paying them to come to these places. Because if not, they could just go somewhere else. But all because they're supposedly going to give a bunch of people jobs, which in turn, 10 years from now, he's going to have artificial intelligence doing these people's jobs and it's going to be worthless. I'm telling you, the whole world, I'm just, the whole world is going to be a different place. There's not really a reason for people yeah. to be doing toil, to just be to like to be doing the, to be doing the things that are making other people extravagantly rich. Like, it's not. It doesn't make That's sense. I'm people law, yeah. man. People law. Yeah. People law. But you know, on on on. A, I guess <laughs> we got a little bleak there. I guess. It's <laughs> all right. On, but on a, on a on a lighter note to 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 end, you know, it's. Uh, I was reminded, you know, there's a there's a guy named um, uh, Ivan Van Sertima. He was a like a historian. He wrote a lot of different. Uh, books kind of about pre-Columbian America and stuff. And, you know, he had a quote and he said that, like, I can't, I don't want to butcher the quote. So, what he basically was saying was is that because the people who are awake to these things, um, because they can see these things, it's important for uh, us, you know, people who are awake of these things to also understand that we can't be um, overwhelmed by the, the way he said it is like we, we are the light of the world like we can't we if you're going to be the light of the world you can't let you can't be overcome by the darkness the darkness is here like it's it's evident and we see it everywhere and we, we and we it, sometimes it looks helpless. It looks like a situation that we can't win. But ultimately, 
for all of us who've been awakened to the idea that this place can be somewhere far better for our children and their children and and on down the line, we have to continue that light. You have we have to continue to, 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 to shine the light in the world and, you know, try to make this world a little better of a place the by the time we leave than how it was when we got here. And uh, you know, I think that that's that's an important thing. And, Absolutely. Like I said, Michael, te- was there anything really uh, you wanted to uh, express to people? Uh, all I have to say is just, just take a step back, look at life, stop living so like set on things. We're told stuff from uh, birth and stuff, but yet we don't even look at it. Um, just take a step back. Balance is the best thing in life, and yet it's it's hard because it's uncomfortable and it's not easy. But it's the most healthy thing for us. So if we all can take a step back and we all can do that, we can truly change this country. But it's a choice that every single person has to me- make and every single person has to make to their kids and show it so that we can have the free, a true free country instead of a what we're telling to be a free country. Yeah. So, but that's all I have to say. Oh, I, I second that. Yes, I'm all with you. And hopefully uh, you... I feel uh, a lot more confident after having this conversation that you're, I don't talk to many young people that have an understanding that you have. So, you know, you just gotta, gotta help, help the young people and help them understand and speak out as much as we can. Even if we look silly at sometimes I've looked, many people look at me funny, but you know, I don't, it doesn't phase me at all. I've had many conversations with Mike and we, we get dirty looks all the time and we don't care. We just continue with the conversation. We're having a good conversation. Mm-hmm. We don't care, mm-hmm. but just continue the fight. And, uh, I, we talk grimly. I, I talk grimly sometimes, but I do believe that th- there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I believe it's the kids and the children and the young people. And we have to somehow figure out how to get them educated and get them to, to come together and be less divided. And I don't know how we do that, but I guess it's conversations like this. So that's all I got to say. I think that's a good place for us to, to wrap it up. Sounds good. As, uh, as always, I want to thank you uh, for checking out or checking us out, you know, one more time. Um, I know that, you know, there's so many people listening to this that, it's it's my I know it might break the internet I know you know I know that there's just there's millions of people who've been waiting for this to come out it's I get e- little, I get emails every day yeah 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 I mean I know he you know I know they're beating down the doors they, they want they want more and more but uh yeah we we really do enjoy uh, coming on here and, and talking and like we said just inspiring a certain talk you know it's a real talk when, when people come in here we're, we, we we try to talk about real things that are going to motivate people to become the people they want to be and also make the world the kind of place that we want to live in and that's because that's the tribe of people i belong to i belong to the tribe of people who see a better tomorrow so um 
as always, like I said, thanks, and uh, we'll see you next time. Later.